Metacritic Draft 2024. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square at a PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is one senior Chris Figs. Chris, how you doing today, bud? Chris, if you muted yourself already, how? <laughs> how on this green earth, this blue marble, I'm contradicting myself, TT Dog is just over there like this mother. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give him an Easter egg at the beginning of the show, but it was actually because my uh, my furnace was going off, so I just muted while you were ah. doing the intro. It is cold season, you know? It is, kind of. Yeah, both the sickness and the temperature, you know? So, or at least it is over here. I'm sure in Australia, it's probably midsummer right now. And not the horror movie. Uh, All right, guys, if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, we are, of course, a podcast that talks about gaming through the lens of being PlayStation fans primarily, but we talk about all consoles as we see fit from what we like about what they're doing, what we don't like about what they're doing, what games we may or may not be excited to play on those systems, uh, be it Xbox, Nintendo, PC, wherever we see fit. Um, But, of course, we primarily play on PlayStation as if you look at anything that we play throughout the year and what we talk about, that tends to line up. So (laughs) hopefully that's the kind of conversation you're looking for. Uh, We are going to talk a little bit about today with the the PlayStation Plus games for January. We're going to talk about uh, some weird rumors that were going on revolving God of War and uh, kind of giving a public service announcement there, uh, as well as Star Wars Outlaws getting a little bit more information. But before we do all that, we're going to start this show off in a time-honored tradition of checking in on what I and Chris here have been playing so that we can either give you something new to potentially put on your list, give you thoughts on something that you may have had on your list, but we're having your own doubts and give you, hopefully one way or another get you off that fence uh, or just outright entertain you with dumb ramblings about what we're talking about. So, (laughs) Chris, what have you been playing this week? And would you like to regale everyone about the tale of you burning your arm and if it had any kind of impact on your uh, gaming ability? Um, Yeah, I mean, I spilled uh, boiling water and chicken grease all over my arm the other day. And that was not fun. I had to go to the hospital. I've been out of work for a couple days. Not by my own decision, actually. That was just work. Had to do that, but yeah. So that was uh, that was fun. Um, in terms of my gaming, it did not hamper me at all. I had a wrap all over the whole thing, so that was a little annoying. But I had full finger access, <laughs> uh, so it was totally fine. Um, but yeah, so how just, mangled does your arm look? Um, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Let's see. It's. Oh, you literally cannot tell. Um, it's no, a different can't color. tell at all. Yeah, it's it's, oh, okay. it's it's like purple. Uh, purple oh, okay, strong. It's more like like a magenta, like a dark red. You know. Oh, okay. Like rare. Yeah, like your arms cooked rare. Yeah, exactly. Some parts are a little more medium than rare. So, I gotcha. <clears throat> all right. So, with uh, your full finger access, what did you play? <laughs> um. So I play. I've still been. Working, uh, investigating my way through L.A. Noir. Um, mm. That's a that game, game I've never is... played. I know we didn't really? talk about that last week, but yeah, mm. I've never got around to it. You I'm very familiar with the game, but I never played it. You should, you should look at it. It's fun. Um, I don't know. I had this weird moment today where I'm going to be honest. I'm like kind of replaying it just because I want to get the trophies. And I did a case, and I got 
four stars instead of five stars. And I was kind of like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> oh, is, is five stars everything part of the yeah, trophies? you have to five star every case. And it's like, I, I, I've gotten five stars all the way up to this point. But now it's like the cases start getting really long. And I was like, I don't want to do this. So I just took it out and I put in Tales of Zillia. So that's another game I've been playing is I've been getting into Tales of Zillia. But <clears throat> I don't really have any takes on that. I just walked into the hospital at the beginning of the game. So doesn't really count. Um, but then it's been uh, Persona 5 Tactica is my big game of the week. Um, I'm really enjoying that. It's a tactics game, obviously. Just about about the more stories of the Phantom Thieves, which I'm never going to turn away from. Uh, it's good, though. That's that's why I told you should, you should play it, because I started playing it, and I downloaded the PS5 version of Persona 5, and I downloaded uh, Persona 5 Strikers. So. so most tactics games, as with all games, right, there's always a mechanic twist on any main genre to give you the, oh, this is what this game does, a little different. So if you had to like quickly pitch um, how Tactica tries to switch up the tactics genre and mm-hmm. give it, you know, some of its own flavor and <clears throat> tie back into Persona. Um, what is that? And and do you think um, that will draw people potentially in who aren't necessarily as much of existing fans of uh, of tactics as a genre? No, 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 no. I don't think if you don't like tactics, I don't know why you'd play this. Um, <laughs> unless you because really it's not like tactics, it's tactica. Right. Exactly. And it would be a tactical mistake to play this game before Persona 5. And if you like Persona 5... before Persona 5? Yes, it would be a tactical mistake to play it before Persona 5. Because you have the full set of Phantom Thieves. And like the last Phantom Thief you meet in um, vanilla Persona is like 80 hours into the game. So, oh, God. <laughs> just play the goddamn game, bro. <laughs> um... So One yeah, of these days, Chris. He's fucking lying. Um, anyway, yeah, so I wouldn't play it before then. So it's it's a game where I think if you like tactics and persona, you'll love it. If you like persona and are okay with tactics, you'll love it. If you like persona and you don't like tactics, you shouldn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. might be able to force your way through it, but you're not gonna enjoy it. Yeah, and that's the yeah, thing. And if you like, hate Persona and you hate Tactics, why'd you even buy it? <laughs> right, and especially if you don't like the Phantom Thieves, because um, that's the thing. You could like Persona Four, but you don't like Five because you don't like the characters, which would be batshit insane. But that's a possibility, I guess. Um, then yeah, I don't, I don't recommend it then either. But right now, it's like I love the Phantom Thieves and I like Tactics, so it's really fun. I think the big change it makes is it incorporates like Personas. In a way, like you're still locked to arson, but you can <clears throat> fuse and match the other personas to give him some different attacks, um, which is something from Persona 5. But the thing that I really like is that if you... In Persona 5, they have this thing called all-out attacks, and that's normally if you knock someone down... If you knock someone... I, I haven't played it in a while, but I think if it's you knock someone down and they're the only ones on the battlefield, you can do an all-out attack, which all the Phantom Thieves uh, get involved in. And in Tactica, if you position your characters in a triangle around an enemy, then you can do an all-out attack, and it's a big damage move. And I really like that because it gives you more sense of, oh, I need to place these guys here. But I will say Mm -hmm. I'm playing it on Merciless, and it's not hard. So, like, I don't know... 
if that's I don't know if that's really a big thing, but it will definitely speed up battles. And then it's cool because it gives you like these awards for like you beat it in seven turns, nobody got knocked down, and then there's one other one. I don't remember exactly what it is, but sure yeah. it changes, it rotates around. So <clears throat> that's cool. I think what's neat is because there's so many personas and there's a mechanic in Persona Five of baton passing, which is like I I think Again, long time since I played Persona 5. I think that was 2019 or 2020. But I think with baton passing, the way it works is you can you do a special move and then you can have somebody else join right in. And so in this one, if one of your characters gets knocked down, you can baton pass to one of the other personas and they jump or one of the other phantom thieves and they jump right in. That's a really cool mechanic that I really like and makes Getting knocked down. It's one of those things, right? It's a give and take because getting knocked down isn't as scary at that point because you can replace them twice. And at least in Merciless, I think it's actually once you can replace them. But <clears throat> I like the fact that you can do that. It kind of fits with the theme. Um, but then the other thing I think is cool, and this may be something in other tactics games, but I'm it's it's a big thing here. If you don't attack with your turn. Your next, your character gets like a charge up, and their next attacks are more powerful. Oh so, yeah, nice. Yeah, I think yeah, it's delayed, cool. delayed gratification. Exactly. Uh, also, real quick, I noticed that I forgot to mention that we will be doing our 2024. Of course, the cold open mentioned it, but we'll be doing the 2024 uh, Metacritic draft to end the episode out. So, if that's something you're interested in, stick around until the end of the episode, uh, where we'll go into deep detail about why we're choosing what we're choosing of course what we're choosing uh and then kind of do like we did last year if that was a conversation you enjoyed and then if you're newer than that then hopefully stick around see what you think of it uh and we'd love to hear what picks you would have picked that we missed out on but continuing with what you've been playing um the reason i wanted to ask about tactica there is because you were saying that you didn't know for sure if I was a fan of tactics because I don't really talk about them often. And I do like the genre, or at least I have a, a good history with the genre, but I've found as I get older, it's harder for me to want to sink the the time into them. Part of it's because they're also very long games and they're quite drawn out a lot of the time, uh, which is not really a problem. It's just I normally fall off of them a little too quick um, for what the time investment demands. Or really, I think a lot of the times it's just something else comes out that takes my attention off of it and I never return. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. happened with uh, Disgaea 6 last time I was trying to play it. Um, but yeah, I thought about the difference in mechanics because one of the fun things about Disgaea is like, you know, stacking all the characters on top of each other to do crazy big damage. Uh, and so I always like seeing how tactics games are going to shake up the genre. And, you know, most any game that's out there really trying to do anything worthwhile is usually trying to do something that's new in some capacity, even if it's a yeah. twist on something that you've experienced. So uh, that's cool. I think uh, there, there's one thing I want to complain about. Okay. Yeah, and it's ahead. super dumb and it's all me, right? But if you saw the name M A R I E, how would you pronounce that? M A R I E, Marie? Yeah. Right. That's that's how you would pronounce that name, right? That's just totally normal. In this game yeah. is pronounced Marie. Nah, fuck that. It's <laughs> I hate it. It's so dumb because like I tend to read a lot of this because I read faster than the VO. Sure. And it's like Marie, Mar it's Marie, Marie, Marie. And then they'll talk and it's like Marie. And I'm like, that's that's bullshit. That's like calling Mario Mario. It doesn't make any sense. Um <clears throat> so yeah, I don't have you Too can tell you're other. from the north. Everyone else is like, yeah, it's Mario, you asshole. No, it's fucking Mario. That's how it's pronounced. Um, so then in your case, it'd be Mary. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Instead of Marie? Yeah, I mean, I would say Marie, but... Uh-huh, so you, I'd say Mario. <laughs> it's wrong. Um, but yeah, right, at the very least, Mario. I can see Mario. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> um, but yeah, there's... But also it helps that he goes, it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe he doesn't know how to pronounce his own name. Look, here's um, the thing. All this to say that the problem with language is that it's all just what we agree on to some degree, but no one can actually tell you that something's wrong. If you invent a, a, a word and you say, no, this is how it's pronounced, you kind of have the right to do that. If you name someone, you're like, no, bro, this is how it's pronounced. Yes, you kinda but have Persona right Team <laughs> did not make up the name M-A-R-I-E. But they, so, they made up that pronunciation. But there's not enough letters for that pronunciation, Brett. That's the problem. There's not enough also, letters. Also, pronunciation. I said pronunciation. We both did. But, yeah, you, you know, you, that's fair. You, you tricked me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, Tactica is really good. Um, it ignited me uh, fire in me to play Persona. But like we talked about, I think I'm going to save Persona 5 for uh, Platinum 150 because regular Persona 5 Royal was uh, 50. So I think it'll be I a little a good pretty one. cool. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it'll be a real cool one. But I noticed that our weekly Destiny 2 talk is coming up because apparently yeah. you decided to play Destiny 2. Yeah, I I have a confession. I don't think my friends listen to the show. I don't think I regret anything more than downloading Destiny again. Now, why do you keep playing it just to play with Sean? Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I've been very clear. Like, I don't want to do raids. Every time I've done a raid, it's been awful. It's been toxic. It has not been fun. And it's like, he's like, oh, well, let's run a bunch of raids. And I'm just like, no. But it's it's one of those things where it's like, like, they're very, <clears throat> it's not even just him. It's all of my friends who play it. They're like, oh, you should do this. And I'm like, I don't want to do PVE. And they're like, yeah, but the dungeons only take a half an hour. And I'm like, I would rather kill myself. And then I'm going to end up doing a dungeon or two to just get them to leave me alone. <clears throat> Which again, I'm playing because I want to play with my friends, but I only want to play Gambit. And it's like, well, and it's also the general <laughs> problem with those types of games, right? Is that you kind of are wanting to, you, you need to like the majority of the game content style yeah. because if you don't you're gonna have a real big problem because a lot of the pvp if that's what you want to play even gambit there are a lot of weapons that are ideal for gambit that you can only get by doing pve content if you but, hate dungeons <clears throat> some of the best some of the best gear is in dungeons if you hate raids some of the best gear is in raids you know it's, it's, and that really is unfortunate here's my problem with that okay you're saying that sean has said that ben has said that so i've basically streamlined my destiny process to I make I just share play with him and make him do all the hard work. Um, <laughs> seriously, last night I was like, "It's time for you to clean my inventory and my vault," and he was like, "Okay." <laughs> so he did it, but he built me this this like top top Titan Solar Titan top. I didn't notice a fucking difference, dude. I did not yeah. notice a single difference. So what do but I need to run eighty seven dungeons for? Right, but yeah, that's you don't point. engage in the game in that capacity, so you would never feel that difference regardless. Why, why do I have to run a dungeon with you 87 times so that I can get a god roll of the swizzled dick rocket launcher to do 0.6% more damage to the boss? Fuck that. That's not fun, and I don't want to do it. So it just means that that's not the type of game for you. Which but it depends. It's not for me either. It's why I tend not to play them most of the time. But I like it more than you do, clearly, because I've, I've had fun with Destiny. I've had fun. Gambit is fun. 
Oh, Gambit's a but ton of fun. I'm sorry. Mindlessly killing enemies for 15 hours, again, to get a roll of a fucking stupid rocket launcher that I don't even want to use, but he's telling me I have to use it because it does 17 millimeters of damage to the enemy, and there's like a healing well that does points. I don't give a fuck about any of it <laughs> not a single solitary fuck could i give about any of that shit okay so that's why when i'm when he's like oh he just he messaged me before the show and again i love sean he's one of my best friends yeah sure but he messaged me like i'm on if you want to run a dungeon and i'm like you know that i don't want to run a dungeon you know for a fact that i have zero interest in running a dungeon and I'm I'm putting myself through it because again, this is one of my best friends. All of my best friends play this game. Like all of my close friends. So I like I'm willing to sacrifice my time and my sanity to play Gambit with you, to play Crucible with you, but I'm not running a dungeon for your eighty-seven thousandth time just so I can get a role that's not even right. So we have to run the dungeon again. I would rather die. Yeah, here's the thing that they're gonna. If you mess up at all, because they're so into it, right? This is the reason. Yeah, it's gonna be my fault. <laughs> yeah, they, and then and then it's gonna be not only is it your fault, they're gonna have a a doubt in the back of their head that it's your fault because you just didn't have the right gear. When it could just be your fault because maybe you're not as good at the game as them because you don't live, breathe, eat, and shit it. You know. Well, that's the problem, and. Uh, I'm just Which is ranting. what the, that game demands of you. I mean, it that's does. the thing about MMOs in general. They demand you to be a constant player who cares about the minutia. It's also part of why I like RuneScape so much because there's an entire side of RuneScape that doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you just want to log in and quest completely by yourself and never play with another player ever? Yes? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Here you go. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I've reset my Gambit rank twice already because I like Gambit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll play that shit alone. But it's not, I don't know. I just, it's hard because like there are times he'll message me and I'll be like, I would genuinely rather be following a walkthrough for LA Noir or playing an old PS3 game than hopping on Destiny. Like I just would rather do any of that stuff. And, like they get it to a point because there was one time he invited me to play and I was like, no, I've got a, I've got a boosting session for GTA 4. And he was like, that tracks with you. And I'm like, then why, do you, then why do you keep fucking asking me to do dungeons? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay, I don't put pressure on anyone to get trophies. I don't no, do that. Don't. He's one trophy away from fucking Stranger of Paradise. He's like, I don't feel like it. I'm like, that's fucking weird. But do you? I'd get yeah. that trophy. Yeah, yeah so there you go. That's Chris, let's, really let's, fun. Just, there you go. <laughs> We'll, we'll calm you down with some talks about the fact that you've been continuing your dive into PS3 uh, with one of my all-time favorite RPGs, uh, Tales of Zillia. Yeah, yeah. I so just what drove you into that? that? Um, I I don't know. I well, because I good I, answer. <laughs> I was looking at my shelf and um, important was, distinction. It's Tales of Zillia one, not two, right? Yes, it's Tales of Zillia one. I own two. Okay. I'll play that eventually, but. Um, mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wanted to like it. Well, there's a really stupid mechanic where the game will completely stop you from gressing until you repay part of this loan that it demands that you get. Yeah, it's too much to get into, but you will actively have to stop 
it's exactly the problem I talk about with Spider-Man's pacing, but worse. Oh, the God. story will be picking up, and you'll be like, oh, hell yeah, I can't wait to figure this out. And it's like, ha-ha, bitch, you've not been actively working on repaying this loan. So now you're going to have to grind out for six hours while you earn 10,000 gold to pay back this portion of the loan so that you can continue <laughs> on to the story. It's, oh, man, it is it is rough game design. <laughs> it is very rough. Yeah. No, then maybe I won't play it, but... Um, but but Zillia is an excellent game, and I love it very much. Yeah, it and also there are things I say to this day that are an exact. They just come off of my time with that game. There's these uh, monsters that you can run around, and like you'll just be running around, and you can hear them making their noises. And I don't know, I, I changed what I think he says a million times, but this little it's like Kevin, Kevin, what? Cabbage? <laughs> I don't know what Cabbage? he's saying. But me and my wife just have a running joke because she watched me play that way back in 2011 to 2013, actually, um, whenever it was. And I just remembered, Kevin? <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> Is this a uh, yellow and gold dressing all over again? <laughs> Probably. I should take a recording of that monster sound and just go to people and be like, what do you think he's saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... No, Zillia was just, I haven't been interested in playing much on PS5, so I've been trying to find something on PS3, and like I said earlier, I'm talking about L.A. Noir. I got four stars on that mission instead of five, and I was like, I, I'm i taking a break off this, um, and then I just was looking at my shelf. And you, I have this paralysis, right, where I look at games, and I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've yeah. been looking. I've seen Dungeon Siege three on my shelf for a while, and I don't know what that game is. And I should give it a shot, but I'm like, I don't know, you know, because the last and that's the thing. Sometimes it works out. It's how I got the Witcher three platinum. So I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna play Witcher three. And then 120 hours later, I was telling Sadie, we're gonna sit here for the next two hours until I finish this because I need to see how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> and we did, but. I've had bad experiences with that too. I put in Risen 2 the other day and I was like, this might be the worst game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, Risen 2 is pretty rough. I've played it. That was not a good game. So, I, you know, there's that, that give and take. But I remember you had really liked Zillia. And um, <clears throat> it's my favorite Tales of game. Yeah. And I was originally going to p- continue on Grace's F, but I'm like, I haven't played this in so long that I'd need to restart and I don't want to do that. So. Grace's F is also an excellent game, but I do like Zillia more. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see if you stick with it. I love the game, uh, but it's, it's also got a general, I won't call it a problem because I, I was always excited in that game to see what was coming next. But it's got like three different moments where you're like, oh, okay, this is the end. And then it's just like, more shit. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go. More shit. <laughs> I really um, do just, I think I got to get back into Dragoon. That might be just where I go because I like Dragoon. I just never finished it. Yeah, Dragoon's an awesome game, too. I, I still really think that game could benefit from a remake, though. Um, but, you know, that's where it's at. Well, mine's quick. Uh, I, too, was in the ER same day, roughly same time as Chris. Uh, ironically, I have uh, a kidney stone that I've still yet to pass. And I have had a surprisingly good day, but I'm distrusting of my own body right now. <laughs> because I've had a surprisingly good day after multiple days of just constant hours of abject pain um having a day where it's not makes me think that it's just around the corner waiting to knock you know 
It's like, I'm going to start sleeping. And then that Raven's going to start knocking on the door and it's going to be like, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> so that's where I'm at. So I've only been playing uh, avatar frontiers of Pandora. I have beaten it now and I am Ooh. very close to platinum. I'm at 90% trophies. Um, but the last one of the last three trophies, I am a little worried it's going to be involved. Oh, um, it's for clan contributions. And uh, basically there's a bunch of, there's like hundreds of camps in the game. It's not really, it, it may be like 80 camps total, including the major camps. And you've got to go to each one of them and get a specific item that you put in their clan contribution basket. Uh, I know that much. I, I fear there might be more and <laughs> I hope not. So yeah. we'll see, but that's the last trophy I'm going to do. Um, so I'm just doing the rest of it and enjoying it. It's got problems even with its trophy design, but I like the game enough to keep going with it. It's got problems in the general way too big of an open world, way too much shit to do. And a lot of it is just, I, I want to rant for a second because there's this thing called memory paintings in the game. And thankfully it only makes you do one in the story, but you sit and you basically do blue people yoga, but with analog sticks and hands. So it, it looks like something that was like a motion control we fit uh, like pitch that like they did and then got turned down. So they just shoved it into their avatar game, but you just sit and then like these like blue trails mm. come up and you've got to, and it have like an L and R in it. And you got to use the analog stick to slowly follow this trail inside of this circle that's moving. And if you get out for more than like a second and a half, it just restarts and it is so boring and so stupid. And I, I get what they're going for. It's a game about nature. It's a lot like when they did the, uh, the haikus that you could do in the, the rest spots when you were doing the steam spots with Jin and ghost of Tsushima, but those were more fun because they were shorter they didn't last very long and they did not require much from you and they were thematically fitting. I think making your character sit and watching him do some hand movements and then having the character reflect on what he's seeing and how it goes into his new understanding of this world that should be his home, but it's new to him. It's a perfectly fine thing. But when I'm sitting there for three minutes doing these fucking slow war, it just feels like an eternity and it's bad game design. And I don't understand who in a room was like, this is fun. Someone's going to enjoy doing this. <laughs> this is essential to are. our story. Yeah, it's just a swing and a miss. <clears throat> I, I have to imagine that I can't think of a single amount of time that could justify the existence of this mechanic. So I don't know why they did it. I can only be <laughs> thankful for that there is no trophy tied to this at all. Oh, really? So, so there's no hundred percent. I, I, do, I do not have to collect them. No. <laughs> Okay, and so that's somebody actually across then. the board. So you only have to knew. get like twenty of the. Yeah, it's like we can't undo the work because we've already done it. But you know, <laughs> but this we can sucks, not so. tie it to anyone. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. I think the general problem with massive open worlds is that the first question that comes to mind is, well, if this if the world's this big, we've got to fill it more than just with what what'd you say, Godfather twos. porno mags, <laughs> Mafia twos, porno mags. Yeah, Mafia two. Sorry. <clears throat> so. You, you go there and you and so you go, well, what else can we do? We got to make this open world have a bunch of shit to do in it. Well, sometimes the reality is, is that the only thing you can st- continue to do is just add menial shit that you can do that you already do a weird form of in your day to day life and go, why would I want to do this in a game? And so you have to balance wanting to add things for players to do with the fact that some things are just inherently not fun. And I'll play a game to have fun. Just because you mm-hmm. gave me one more task to do does not mean I'm going to enjoy that. The fun 
if you're one of those weird people that thinks just completing a task is fun, fine. But the act of completing the task should be fun too. And then you get double the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know anyone who'd like, I hated doing that, but I got something done. So I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably that person exists. <clears throat> yeah. But, I mean, I think it goes back to what I was saying last week where they're just games are so refined that they're just adding shit to extend the time and the shit they're adding is not fun. You could easily, and, and I'm so glad it's not, most of it's not in the trophy list. There's still questionable things in the trophy list. I'm just going to throw it out there. This clan contributions one, <laughs> definitely. If it's as bad as I think it is, I'll report more, hopefully when I have the platinum next week. But <laughs> I think that this could have easily been considerably cut down <laughs> and just tried, because I get it. The idea is to like get you to interact with certain aspects of the game. So that what they're designing has a chance to be played. But I don't think that your game should actively force someone to interact with something they just may not like. It's okay if it's there as an option, but you should try and be balanced on, okay, what is the most broad appeal? And let's draw most of the people to those. But then we can have some small, odd things that are for a small appeal that some people will really like, but most people won't. And they'll be there, but we won't force the player to have to interact with them. Like I thought it was really smart that that memory painting thing, they only made you do once in story. So to progress, you only have to do it once. Uh, it raises some questions of how do you interact with it? it you know, if, if you have problems moving analog sticks slowly, it, it really could become a filter. I don't know if there's a, a difficulty setting that allows you to automatically skip them. But yeah, it, it's it's an interesting design choice. That's all I'll say. Yeah. When it could have just been a cutscene. <clears throat> that doesn't even Because it, it had story significance when you do it in story. But there's no reason for it outside of the story, you know, unless you just are really digging the world. Uh, but I won't harp on too long. I'm still really enjoyed the game. I hope that it has some kind of weird resurgence and they get a lot out of this because if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the same developer, not the same team necessarily, that's mm-hmm. working on the new Star Wars Outlaws. Yeah. So, and I like the team. Uh, so. I do too. And I, I think it sucks to see them kind of take a swing in a completely different direction than what they were known for. Uh, moving to a, a first-person open-world game when you had a third-person MMO, basically, shooter is, a, is an interesting change. Uh, and I think that they've mostly pulled it off better than a lot of places. Uh, a lot of people did. Um, so we'll see. Maybe they'll strike some kind of gold with outlaws and do well all over again. But it's unfortunate. Uh, but we're going to quickly move into the news before we get into everything else. Uh, first piece of news is quick and simple. Uh, but before we actually talk about it, I will remind you that if you're listening on podcast services that allow you to review the show, please consider doing so. Uh, it lets people know whether or not you think the show is worth your time. And we would love it if you would share your thoughts on that. Uh, but the first piece of news here is PS Plus games for January. Uh, this is for all three tiers. Is Plague Tale uh, Requiem, Evil West, and Nobody Saves the World. And even though I have two of these three games already accessible, I think this is a super solid month. Mm-hmm. Evil West looks like a great time. I haven't actually played it yet, but <clears> I really want to. Uh, Nobody Saves the World is an incredibly fun game. And Plague Tale Requiem is a sequel to a very solid game that I cannot believe I've not gotten around to, but I just haven't. Um, so this is good because we saw Game Pass objectively ruin the value of games with gold to the point where they just did away with games with gold because there wasn't enough value to keep it going. And I really like to see that even the base tier of PlayStation Plus has continued to try and be a value point in and of itself 
on top of the fact that you have to have it for online play. So I think it's a solid month. Chris, you have anything you want to add there? No, I'm looking forward to playing all these games. Some of them again, go. but... Oh, you you never got around to nobody, did you? No, but I own that, mm. so... Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Great game, though. Great game. Yeah. Probably do Plague Tale 1 and 2 back-to-back now that they're available for me. Yeah, and that's pretty short. That's like the average length of most games nowadays because like the first one's like 12 to 15 hours. I assume mm-hmm. this one's probably around 15. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do instead of running a dungeon 87 times is play Plague Tale <laughs> 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get around to Requiem, and I hope it's a it's a finds a way to push the first game's mechanics and story forward in a way that feels worth it. I'm sure it does. Um, next piece of news, we were talking about Star Wars Outlaws, and uh, of course, here it is. It has been given a release window. So not a whole lot, but of course, we got shown it without much to go off of. Now we at least have an idea that the game is intended, whether or not it hits that, to be coming out in late 2024, um, which does kind of beg the question, do you actually think this game will hit that release window, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, I'm willing to put my money on Massive. <clears throat> I feel like there's a decent chance, even though I do think it's interesting that they say late 2024. But I think that be considering the way that this news was given, not part of some big thing and big spiel, I think that there was no value in them doing this unless they felt fairly confident that they were going to be able to hit it or so close to it that you wouldn't even care. So if this ends up being like a January, February 2025 game, I don't think anybody's going to rake them over the coals, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I still don't know how I feel about this, though. I think there's I, a lot of it comes down to pedigree of the studio, which I think I'm glad I played Avatar because it does show that they can do something outside of their general scope. Um, so I actually think playing Avatar gives me more hope for Star Wars Outlaws than I would have had if I just would have been like, I've played the division. How the hell does that square up to a Star Wars game? So it's cool to see a developer take chances and actually do something with them. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not still completely sold on this. I don't want to discount anyone else's opinion, but I do feel like a large bit of where this game is coming from is strictly the fact that it's a Star Wars and it's a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess I'll give it a little more credence. You seemingly can get in your ship and fly around. To some yeah. degree, I want to go ahead and temper everyone's expectations, considering that we thought Starfield was going to be a game where you could get in a ship and fly around. <laughs> <laughs> to let people know that I have a feeling that this game is going to be much more, maybe not Starfield, but maybe much more Outer Worlds than No Man's Sky. And I think as long as you set your expectations right, that's fine. Like that's yep. uh, that's a reasonable position to be in for a Star Wars game. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I'm excited to play it. It looks fun. I literally struggle to say that because unless I'm forgetting, and maybe I am, I remember there being a trailer, but did they actually show gameplay from this? Yeah, I believe there was gameplay in that trailer. I knew that one of them, it was like at a later event, they decided to show gameplay, and I thought it was weird that they broke that off. Um, so yeah, because they saw the CG trailer gameplay, and then another trailer after, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds <clears throat> right. So since I've not watched the gameplay, I won't speak on it. Uh, but hey, I enjoyed Avatar. They surprised me. I'm willing to give this a go. I like Star Wars World enough to try this out. Yeah, uh, next a 10 minute gameplay walkthrough. Okay, cool. I'll watch it after this and then hopefully have a little bit more of an informed opinion. Um, Last piece of news here is more of kind of a mix between talking about rumors of uh, 
different rumors that are kind of coming together here um, and congealing, as well as acting as somewhat of a public service announcement. Because I notice sometimes these rumors spread so fast, and then even if they get debunked, that doesn't really spread. Or sometimes even information that is accurate turns out to be false because of something, studio closures or whatever, and people still seem to think that certain things are coming. So a while, uh, really throughout this week, some rumors have been swirling of a God of War trilogy remaster or potentially remake, as some of the people have been saying. And it seems like the remake remaster rumors are really being formulated off the back of Kratos' voice actor, Chris Judge, saying that he was asked to voice match T.C. Carson who was Kratos' voice actor for the original God of War games prior to the 2018 release. So it seems like a lot of people have taken this to be, oh, someone wanted him to voice match young Kratos. Who else would do that besides Sony? Ergo, Sony has plans to do something with a young Kratos. Seemingly makes sense to do a remaster or a remake of these games. Um but Chris Judge has come to Twitter to say that the voice match with TC Carson was not from Sony San Diego or Sony Santa Monica or Sony at all. And seemingly somebody else who wanted a TC Carson voice match. Now where I will add in an interesting wrinkle here. This is just showing my own ignorance to it. (laughs) I am not sure what else TC Carson has voiced in that, Chris Judge would be a sensible voice match too. Because Kratos is so unlike TC Carson to begin with that Chris Judge being able to find something that feels very in line with that Kratos makes sense. But if you look at some of the stuff that's happened, I think the only thing that really comes to mind would be some of the Justice League stuff he's done because he has done Rachel Ghoul and a couple of things. And he's done some voice work, if I'm not mistaken, as Mace Windu in um, Star Wars. Oh, I bet the I animated know. shows. Looking at his stuff, um, Tron. There's a new Tron game coming out, right? Maybe that he could be. Yeah, there is. As far as I Cal know, there's a new Tron game. Okay, maybe he's that's uncredited, it. so I don't know. Seems unlikely, then. You know. Yeah. Star, something Star Wars related seems possible. Instead of getting Samuel L. Jackson, get somebody who people are already familiar of from Mace Windu. But eh, who knows? Because here's the weird thing. T.C. Carson still exists. There's no yeah. need to have someone voice match him. So I get the want to say, well, you've moved forward to Kratos being Chris Judge and gamers are more informed now than they used to be. So more gamers are aware because of the Game Awards and its ilk that Chris Judge is Kratos. So you may have a draw as Sony to go back and be like, let's remake these games or remaster them and do like Square did and completely revoice a game for no fucking reason. Um, (laughs) Throwing shots at you, Crisis Core. Why do you not have the option to play with the original voice cast? Just because. Why? It's there. The whole game. (laughs) Look, that's tangent. But point being, <laughs> I think this is an interesting thing. The fact that him even voice matching turned into this big news thing just as a, a credit to show how news uh, works in the gaming sphere and how quickly people want to pick something up and make something out of something. But an interesting thing is that there was a while back some rumors swirling about PlayStation, uh, about Sony working on getting PS2 games to run natively on PS5 uh, and then dumping a bunch of PS2 games onto PS5 and having them be, of course, accessible to modern audiences through that. Um, and if that is the case, then it 
I think it could be, a, a, I think no matter what, clearly these rumors are starting off of unfound, non, no real reason. There's no real good foundation. I think it's a bunch of rumors getting kind of lumped together. And then Chris Judge says something and they take it and run with it, even though he later clarified that it wasn't for Kratos. And bam, now you have a fresh new rumor that people are going to carry with and be like, oh yeah, there's a God of War remake coming at some point or remaster mm-hmm. coming. And there may not be. There may be. I actually think it makes a lot of sense to do. But that remains to be seen as if it will. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I would like to play those remakes if they do ever come. Do you really think they'd be full on remakes? Or do you think it'd just be a remaster? <sighs> I <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is naive, but I think if you're going to just remaster it, don't even do it. I think the the problem comes. Put them on in classic that, or something. Yeah, I was about to say. I think the problem with that comes from the fact that the only one that would stand the test of time as a remaster, the only two that would stand the test of time as a remaster at this point, um, to the level people would want, at least I would think, would probably be God of War three and God of War Ascension. God mm. of War two is a great looking game, and actually I think it's but God of War one needs a remake more than anything at this yeah. particular point. I still love the game. I don't have any problems with it, but it's like why not just benefit from your classic stuff, uh, you know, catalog and just dump it there instead of putting a lot of work into that. And then you just get a value add to PS plus. Right. I mean, that makes sense to me. So we'll see. But then again, God of war, as far as we can tell, doesn't have an obvious next place to go. And if there's money to be made by remaking the first game, I would be down to play it, but there's a lot of what ifs about it. Does it completely drop its action slasher, you know, hack and slash, style game play mm-hmm. what does it do does it become a god of war 2018 alike and does that game really need that and then how do you expand that game to include that and if you don't do that and you just make a remake of that you know god of war 3 style combat and gameplay do people want that enough to warrant a remake of that in this particular market well here's i think the more apt question is would people pay 70 dollars for that in this market and the answer is That's the definitely question. no. <laughs> I don't want to say definitely no, because I think Devil May Cry 5 proved that there is this completely room for that type of game. But yeah, I think you have to understand your niche and develop accordingly. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Devil May Cry 5 was also partially successful because it was budgeted in correspondence to the size of the, what they thought the market for that game would be. And then I think that got more people to buy into it and then it got good word of mouth and it kind of was able to fall fall upward sounds bad. But my point being is that by being smart at the initial, you can actually over-exceed what you wanted to do because of good word of mouth. But if you start at a bad spot by saying, hey, $70 for a very expensive remake of God of War doesn't really work. But if you're keeping it you know, structured in a similar way and just updating some of the mechanics a bit, and still keeping it a type of game, maybe. Maybe there's a way yeah. to pull that off. So uh, either way, it'd be interesting to see if we ever end up getting an actual remake of God of War 1. I've wondered that before, after they did the Ratchet remake. I thought, oh, interesting, a remake of a PS2 game. Then they mm-hmm. did the Shadow remake, and I thought, okay, another <clears throat> PS2 game. Maybe a God of War remake isn't so off the off the table, but... <laughs> Remaster it feels self, a bro. little bit like if we were going to get it, we would have gotten it by now. But 
I'm immediately conflicted by the thought that the, the Resident Evil remakes have been so successful and those games are even older that I could see Sony being like, bro, there's a complete value in just being able to go back and be like, yeah, we're remaking God of War 1 and in a few years we'll remake God of War 2 and then a few years we'll make 3 and eventually we'll remake 2018. Even though I think you'd be dumb <laughs> to do that, to be honest. In 2023, right? This year, yeah. last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be the, what was it, the Horizon remake that was rumored? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, we got a Last of Us remake less than 10 years <laughs> after its original release. So it, all things are possible through Jesus Cristo. Um, <laughs> precedent has been set. Yeah, yeah, precedent has been set. So all you have to be is at least nine years old right now, and you're good. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole world of things <laughs> that you've never seen. Yeah, so that is really the last piece of news. Of course, we're New Year. Uh, that's just kind of how it goes. There's not a lot of talk. I'm surprised we even got the uh, Star Wars Outlaws news. Uh, but I'm sure they took they saw the opportunity of slow news and thought, here's a way to kind of bump the game back into relevancy, which kind of makes you ask, that's Ubisoft. Why the fuck didn't Ubisoft do that for Avatar? Why are they, <laughs> do they realize how much they fumbled with Avatar? They're like, guys, we got to make sure we talk about Star Wars more. Yeah, right. Maybe. Because I didn't realize it was coming out, and then it was like, oh, shit, it's out next week. Okay. Yeah. For a lot of people, it was, oh, shit, I didn't know that was coming out. Oh, it's been out for three weeks? Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a delicate balance, but it seems kind of crazy that everyone, like I already said last week or whatever it was, everyone knew that Avatar was hitting theaters, <laughs> but no one <laughs> knew that the Avatar game was hitting consoles. Yeah, exactly. You think there would have been well, a trailer. We told them six months ago. <laughs> yeah, but you got to tell people again close to release. Like, that's how it works. Where did you advertise this game? If you told me that there was a true advertising campaign, where was it? Because I didn't see it. <laughs> Why, wouldn't, you have it, wouldn't you advertise this game in movie theaters like they did fucking God of War? That's what I was going to say. Like, why weren't there trailers in front of Way of the Water? Dude, there should have been trailers in front of every movie. <laughs> like, that's the movie crowd. Any big blockbuster that's come out, Put it in there. Yeah. You're coming to see Wonka? Chances are if you're coming to see Wonka, you're in on the conversation enough that you saw Avatar. Here's an Avatar game. <laughs> Fair. It's They're both musicals, so I mean, <laughs> what's the harm? <laughs> Dude, that, that movie, I know it's a little bit of a tangent, but we're done with the news. That movie looks like a fucking fever dream. I don't understand what that movie is, and I only see like five-minute snippets, but every time there's something weird going on. I don't know what Wonka? it is. Wonka, yeah. I've not seen anything around the movie besides the initial trailer. Again, I work at a movie theater, so I will walk in and to to go get fries or something, and then there's Christopher Shalamet in a in a sewer like dancing and singing. It's like, what is this movie? This isn't what Gene Wilder did. <laughs> well, to be fair though, if you think about the we watched the Tim Burton one with my daughter not long ago because yeah. she wanted to, and um, it is a. Much worse movie, in my opinion, yes. than the Gene Wilder one. And I think some of it I understand what they're going for. But, dude, like I thought all the songs sucked. <laughs> and it was way more trying to be a musical. And a lot of the whimsical parts I liked of the original. Look, it's fine. I didn't hate that movie. I, I liked it worse watching it again. I liked it more on initial watch. But I always thought the original was more interesting. Um, that's just... I guess the thing is, it's like you try to make Willy Wonka even more whimsical, which I guess in the books he is. But 
I, I don't know. I've heard great things about the Timothy Chalamet walk, uh, Wonka, though. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not judging it so much as I'm curious to see if they try and go the Tim Burton route of let's just make it even more kooky. Like, let's okay. make it try and seem like Wonka couldn't even be a normal person ever. <laughs> because no, at I, least at least the one with with Gene Wilder is like, okay, like it's a somewhat, you know, it's somewhat exotic guy or whatever. He's like intricate. Um, <clears throat> and he has these weird ideas, but he's a human. And then you have the Johnny Depp one where you're just like, well, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> <laughs> like his dad told him no candy, so he just completely went ape shit. <laughs> Exactly. Which is basically what the movie says. Like, the way he I ran away from his it. dad so he didn't grow up correctly, didn't have a father figure, any kind of parents in his life. So he was just this weird, eccentric guy. Yeah. Which I, could work, but I mean, you got to at least kind of try and ground it. The way this movie portrays him, I'm fairly sure he's a superhero. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I'd be interested. I mean, for your a superhero you who it. makes his own candy that gives him powers is actually a pretty solid idea. Dude, this is unrelated, uh, unrelated again, but I saw this uh, TikTok and it, it had me dying. Is this autistic girl? She's talking about how people call autism a superpower. And she goes, yeah, I'd walk into that room and talk to Superman who can fly. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I really like moths. <laughs> 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 it's killing me. But yeah, no, it's funny because uh, I have some friends who are like, "Yeah, we all have autism." Talking about like our entire friend group, and I just want to be like, I I don't think that we do. I think that people <laughs> are very cavalier with that word these days. Mm. Speaking of the tism, do we have any write-ins? <laughs> <laughs> we do have some write-ins, and we completely skipped the community's uh, take. So uh, that's my bad. But hey, there's time before we get into the end of the show to pull that up. So the community's take this week was, of course, based around Jehudi MD, one of our longtime listeners, longtime patrons, who uh, asked us a question last week about a gaming decision we made in 2023 that we regretted and one that we were glad to have made. Uh, so we posed that question back out to you. And as I like to do, I want to always read the uh, response from who asked the question initially. So Jehudi DMD came back and said he got a 1080p screen for work, then ended up buying a gaming PC. So the screen is a bit of a letdown for games. However, the upside of it is that I can crank up the settings on games with no noticeable degradation in quality. I'm assuming he also means like stability. He gets to have crazy high everything and it runs well. Uh, both a blessing and a curse, I guess, depending on how you look at it. So his answer is a lot like mine. The good and bad are <laughs> the same thing, just based on how you choose to <laughs> to look at it. Uh, yeah, the weird thing about PC gaming is that because PC gaming is so much more um, adjustable, I should say, there is real benefit in making a pretty beefy PC and it's being like, well, yeah, this pretty beefy PC would struggle to be 4K60 on all games at max settings, but at 1080p, 140 frames per second, this thing can fly. You know, it's like, and have all games at almost max settings, if not max settings. Uh, so I guess the upside to PC gaming is that the little bit more freedom that you get generally means that you pick your poison, right? What do you care mm -hmm. about and what do you not care about? And if you don't really care about 4K, and, and if you're not, if you're playing on a monitor, that's not really that big anyway to where you're not getting the benefit of having 
uh, the pixel density that you would want on a bigger screen, then fuck it. Yeah, run 1080p, put your games at max, see all the extra detail that you can within that resolution, have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's more or less what I settled on. Whenever I redid my computer, I was looking at monitors, and I was like, okay, I want one with HDR. That's kind of the only thing I really want. And so I got a 1440p HDR, and I just run games at higher settings on 1440p than I would at 4K. If I really want to play at 4K, I can, but I'm going to play it like 30, 45, maybe depending on the game, 60 frames per second, you know? Yeah. I don't know. When I when I bought mine, it was just, oh, this is 4K and 165 hertz. This is pretty good. Um, yeah. Oh, it's nice, but it's like one thing that people don't think about is when you buy something that shoots over what you can actually hit on it, you're getting a worse image trying to make a 1440p resolution run at your on your 4k monitor it would look better if you're running 1440p on 1440p monitor but you know it's like people think of it as well i have overhead well no you don't the way your monitor is actually designed is to play the resolution at which you're going for more or less Um, so it's a weird pick but that's the fun of pc gaming is that you get to pick all the things that you want (laughs) I wanted more frames per second. I wanted to be able to hit 120 where possible, so I went down to a 1440p. Nice. But moving on to another answer, we've got braj 88 another one of our patrons. He says, I regret buying the Diablo Digital Deluxe Edition. I played it for about 20 hours and haven't gone back since. I am glad I went back to Cyberpunk with a 2.0 update, though. Uh, 2.0 update. I'm about 60 hours in and going for the Platinum, which I almost never do. Close second was buying the PS Portal. Definitely getting good use out of it. Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year's to you, B-Rods. We appreciate you. Appreciate your patronage. If you want to join him, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. Like one of our new patrons this month, uh, Mr. Duh Overlord. So, Duh Overlord, thank you for becoming a patron and supporting the show with more than just your time, though we are always thankful for that. Uh, Moving on, we got a couple more. We always try and give our patrons preferred reading on any of the community call-outs that we ask for. So the next one comes from another patron, uh, a one-armed wolf. Mm. And if you are unfamiliar with him, he has acted as basically the uh, accountant for the trophy competition through 2023 and uh, has already taken it upon himself to resume that role for 2024. He also is the victor of the 2023 trophy yep. contest. We will get uh, into So that. everyone, round of golf clap for him. It wasn't through lack of trying. Had I been able to platinum Avatar, if I'd have been able to play it, uh, about the 15 to 20 hours I missed because of crazy pain and uh, inability to focus, I might have been a contender. <clears throat> So it was um, One-Armed Wolf, Brett, Josh Ayers, me, TC Zog, Bring the Pain, Aztec King, Big Scantron, TK Rames, Cypher Primus, Jodrell, and Yuna4353. Again, that 2024 has started. The engines are revved. But please join. We have a lot of fun. It expanded this year. I think we got what five or six more entries, so it's a bigger, bigger competition. Yeah. So, with that in have. mind, I want to be a little more pointed this time around. I am working to double check and see for the prize for a one-armed wolf. I want to keep that a little closer in hand, but there will be more of a conciliatory prize where it's just for the the looks and feel of having something to be like, oh, look what I did. Uh, but there will be a one hundred dollar PSN gift card for the winner. This year? 
Yep, this year for <laughs> sure. That is that is the thing. So, <clears throat> of course, you'll spend much more money in your pursuit of platinums. But the idea is that after it's all done, you get something that you can at least uh, pay yeah. off your next your next fix with. <laughs> next. So years. join the competition. As Chris has probably mentioned already, at least last week, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can enter at any point in the year. But your starting points will be whatever they are whenever you decide to join. So we'll take note of what your points are at time of joining and for what you earn from there because we're using true trophies once more. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically the idea is to earn more points, which of course, generally speaking, the more trophies you earn, the more points you earn. If you earn more points than anyone else, you do better. So go to true trophies. Uh, log in there, get signed into the uh, leaderboard, add in the leaderboard, and then you can start looking games, figure out how many points they are, mm-hmm. and kind of chart your plan to victory. And hopefully uh, a stone doesn't come in and completely ruin it for you. But mm-hmm. I still want to give a shout-out to One-Armed Wolf because uh, he he fought a hell of a, of a fight, and he had the uh, OG classic move of reducing all of his jumping taco games which is crazy because he would have won by like a hundred thousand points <laughs> but so many points yes yeah probably um, more like a hundred fifty thousand points it was probably. so many <laughs> to be fair um just to make sure i'm clear on that there is no ban on any type of games if you would like to play a hundred jumping tacos you could i will say that is not in the spirit of what this competition is so even if you win you'll just be heavily frowned upon <laughs> yeah like well, It'll be that. Uh, what is nobody's it? Nobody's gonna congratulate. Is that scene? <laughs> <laughs> is that scene from uh, Game of Thrones where it's like the girl walking through the city with like a bell, being like, "Shame." Yeah, exactly. Cersei, <laughs> Cersei. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you feel free to do that. But the only other thing I will say, I wanted to do this for this year's competition, but I didn't feel great about introducing the concept afterwards. So I'm introducing it now. I am planning on doing a full list of superlatives that will be. Voted on by the community probably in December. Um, so if you have any ideas for things you'd like to see there, put them in the Discord. I'll keep a mind on them. Right now, I'm thinking like best platinum. So like, I and I think maybe you nominate one. So I was thinking for me, I'd nominate my Witcher three platinum. That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, sure. you know, best list of platinums. That kind of stuff. Like I was saying and making the joke, I want to have my Dumbledore moment where I can go, oh, Slytherin one. But Harry Potter got an A on his exam, and now Gryffindor <laughs> wins. So <laughs> I think that kind of stuff will be fun, kind of raise the community engagement. So any ideas yeah. for those, you let me know. But those will be <clears> happening. <throat> so just to be clear, there will be bonus points at the end. They're not decided by me. They're decided by all of us. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And, of course, the monthly games that we all vote on, and you get bonus points for being the first to platinum. Yeah. So with that in mind, I want to go ahead and give uh, a One-Armed Wolf's answer to the community's take prompt. He says, I feel like mine would be obvious for anyone in the trophy competition. See, there was a reason we talked about it. <laughs> all the trash games for points. So that was his regret on the other hand i'm glad i not got a lot of real games for my backlog also as part of the competition mm-hmm. so there you have it the competition was a net positive overall for my guy <laughs> a one-armed wolf even <clears throat> though he sunk <laughs> there's a whole story as to why he, he did so many bad games and why he eventually cut them it's not worth getting into um but it was a real class move. Uh, so I'm going to do one more, and then we're going to go ahead and get moving. We got one more from Rude Cold here. Actually, I'm going to do two more. I'm going to do one from non-patron. Uh, Rude Cold is another patron. He says, I regret playing Metroid Prime Remastered. 
I have no idea why it is so beloved. Maybe if it, uh, maybe if I had played it on initial release, I might have had a different view, but I found it profoundly dull and the amount of backtracking was ridiculous. Close second was Assassin's Creed Mirage. Old style Assassin's Creed is great, but it's not aged well. Mirage did nothing new at all. And the story was boring too. He was glad, on the other hand, so I'm, I'm glad I played Gran Turismo 7. Got it on sale as I hadn't played a sim racer since maybe Gran Turismo 4. Absolutely loved GT7, and the cafe menu system got me hooked in. Easily my most played game of the last year at 125 hours. My man, look at you. Uh, yeah, I haven't played um, Forza Motorsport yet, but one of the big complaints I saw from people who are enjoying it is that they wish that the campaign had been more structured and been something that drove to push you to play it. Instead, it's just kind of a race with a, 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 an award, and there's not really a pull. I think one of the cool things about the cafe system was it acted as a way to get you deeper into cars, even if you did, even if you came into the game not as into car lore and car history and what the car scene's like. And it would group car races together so that you're doing similar type of races and you're doing them with that type of car and you're learning about where those cars came from and how they change and how something like maybe, hey, it's front-wheel drive or, hey, the engine sits in the mid in comparison to this placement and how that affects the racing. And I think it gets you into the zone of the idea of sim racing in a way that Forza Motorsport seemingly, from what I've heard, did not try to replicate at all. And that's unfortunate because I do think the menu system is a little stroke of genius because they're small, they're compact. And what is a campaign in a car game anyway? This is a good way to kind of offer a campaign-like thing while getting people generally better at the game, slowly but surely. So that's cool to see. Got one more over here that comes down to... Twitter and it comes mm. from one of our yeah yeah it comes from one of our longtime friends of the show and it is sweet Gran Turismo Jones. He says having been playing Gran Turismo 7 on a rig in PSVR 2, I regret not setting it up sooner. Those who know me know I bought a bunch of equipment and never set it up until recently. I could vouch for that. He was <laughs> like, Cool, I'm buying this. And then we played a while back, um, and he was just kind of like Oh, I just got it set up, which blew my mind because he had his GT Sport setup kind of dialed in. Uh, as for the thing he's happy to have done, if not also his rig for PSVR 2, uh, he says, I'm glad I went back to Mad Max. What a great game I almost missed out on. Man, sometimes people talk about Mad Max, and I wonder if I made a mistake by jumping off you know, 15 hours in because I just got bored. I'm like, was it, was there about to be a crazy part that just would have pulled me right back in and I would have seen the rest <laughs> of the game through and been like, wow. But unfortunately, that just was not meant to be for me. Not in the cards, <laughs> as they say. Not in the cars, as they say. Um, yeah. So that's a good one. Thank you, guys. If you want to be part of the community's take, always uh, check out our social media. So if you're on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, you can find mm -hmm. us at, uh, at Triangle SQRD. You can find us in Facebook in a group, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. Or our favorite way to communicate, you can head over uh, into the uh, description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, and you can click the link to our Discord. You can join us for day-to-day -day topics, such as just what we're playing, what music we're listening to, what movies we're watching, or if you want to push back or add on to anything that we talked about throughout the podcast, there's a section for you to do that, as well as a nice community stake section for you to give your answers to Ooh. in recall. 
in, in return <laughs> to the call to action. So yes. we are going to move on from there and go real quick into some other questions that we got um, for this week. So with that in mind, I want to head back over to the Discord where we got the bulk of those and knock the first one out. So Jehudi MD comes back around. He says, what one thing you can do if you were responsible for PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo that would tank the hardware experience? And no, releasing bad games is not one of them. Okay, can you repeat it? Yeah. What is one thing you can do if you're responsible for PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo that would tank the hardware experience? And no, releasing bad games is not one of them. Um, I think the wording here is a little interesting because I know what he means. Uh, he's saying like these people's systems, their hardware. Um, but my answer is actually, uh, of course, the real answer is releasing bad games. Yeah. Uh, but actually, the more pressing answer, and I think it's been shown uh, in a big way from a lot of other Nintendo platforms that have had a hard time, um, you can make a system that is so different from the rest of the pack that it may be viewed upon as positive by certain people, but you will never get the share that you need of the market for people to want to release third-party games on your platform, therefore killing your platform. We saw it with the Wii, but the Wii was so successful in its own shtick that it was able to do well enough without it. But when they did the exact same thing again with the Wii U, we saw what happens when you make a system that no third-party developers can make a game that plays on everything for and instead have to make games that only play on your system, which does not do enough to bring them in. And therefore, what will happen, it'll ruin the experience because if someone only buys that system, they're going to not play it very often because all they're going to play is the games that you're putting out for. And even if those are great, it's not going to add up to enough people wanting your product. And that's why you get a system like the Wii U or the Vita for uh, another instance uh, where you only hit, you know, 12, 14 million, 15 million, if you're lucky units sold. Mm -hmm. But there's another one that I have, but I want to, I want to see what yours is before I go there. So are we doing these individually by publisher? No, I'm, I mean, you could if you wanted to, but I'm just saying across the board, if any of these made a system that was so far out of what the rest of the systems were doing oh, uh, well, in sure. a way that wasn't strong enough. Because I mean, like, Switch has clearly worked. Like right? a cell The Switch has worked for them. But what's going to happen? Yeah, the cell architecture was a problem. Mm-hmm. And they had to basically get people to go over it. It could have been the end of things. But the Switch is a good example of doing the same thing, but doing it much better and still finding ways to get third parties to be like, okay, yeah, this is, we can get close enough on this. So, what do you think? Um, I think for me, in terms of Nintendo specifically, I would not release a Switch 2, and that would probably be it. Um, <laughs> the Switch would eventually wear on you? Well, no, I think the thing is the Switch. I don't mean to insult it. I love a lot of games on there, but I think certain games are unplayable. Like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, I've seen some images where I'm like, I don't know how you play this game. Uh, so that's that. Um, Microsoft and, and Sony are a little bit harder, but I think you're right. It's just a matter of, you know... Xbox goes digital, maybe they go physical only, and then you lose all those games, right? An interesting little inverse of it. 
Where it's like, oh, you can't get Shovel Knight 2 because you've decided to go physical only kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that would be mine, actually, is go as making someone specifically use one certain type of uh, what's the word for that? What's the word I'm looking for here? Like format, sure. one specific type of format that nobody else uses that's specific to your console. I think that would be a pretty big issue for them, for someone. Anyway. Yeah, I feel you. I got you. Um, yeah, I mean, so if, if you're going, if, if you were going to break it up, I mean, since you're kind of doing that, um, I, I think PlayStation is kind of toured around with this, but really I, I'm going to, instead of breaking it up, I'm just going to get my other one. Cause I think that really the thing that can drive most things down, is going to be the same mostly across the board. Um, and that just goes to show you how the market works. And I think it, you see that because most of the time when someone tries to break off and do something different in the market, uh, unless it's done at such pristine quality that it adds something new and unique and uh, truly interesting, like the ability to play games at home or on the go in the same system like the Switch did. Um, I think what you get into is just software. And I mean uh, that more in the UI than anything because I think as consoles have gotten more complicated, the ability to just put a game in, turn it on, and it immediately boots into the game has gone away because consoles are being demanded to be able to do more. You need to be able to have a storefront to access, to download. You need to be able to have multiple games on the console. You need to be able to switch between those. You need to be able to stream movies and, and Netflix and shows and all these different things on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to be online. You need to be able to do all these things. And so I think what really happens is that if you fail in the UI department, you lose people. Um, and while I don't think there's a good example of that hard and fast, I think there are examples that have gotten close. Uh, I think that for a while on the 360, Xbox couldn't figure out what the hell they wanted to do with the UI, so they just kept changing it. And I think the problem with that is if you feel like you're having to relearn this console constantly that you already knew how to use, it kind of pushes You're probably going to do it if it's your main console, but if it's not your main console, you're just going to be like, eh? And you're just going to be like, I don't fucking care anymore. And you're going to go on and do your own business. Um, so, yeah, UI is very important. Uh, it's a thing that happens to me in games. Games that have bad UI, I often end up finding my way out of. Because if your game is not intuitive to even navigate, I don't really want to engage further. And that pull that back a level and go to your system. If your system is too complicated to even navigate in a way that feels intuitive or useful, I'm likely not going to spend much time on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. And dude, I looking at this and Switch Two needs to get rid of the fucking friend codes. It is, <laughs> it is the worst form. I think the Switch's UI is actually fine, but I think the way in which their UI interacts with multiplayer and the idea of a ecosystem with friends and the ability to play with people is god awful. It's so bad. It's so hard to add a friend. I feel like it. There's so many issues with it. And and you, there's a million things, but like if someone asks what my PSN name is, I can tell them it's not a problem. If someone asks me what my friend code is, the only solution would be for me to take a picture of it and put it somewhere where I can always access it because I'm not going to remember QR dash three two seven seven. You know, it's like what the fuck is this? Yeah, and I just don't worry system. about it. I thought it so, was weird on the 3ds, and then they just kept doing it. <laughs> It's got to do with what uh, protecting the kids kind of thing, right? 
Eh. Eh. That might be their reason. Does it really accomplish that goal? I'm not so sure. Yeah. I don't know. But it is a pretty good shield to hide behind. We're not going to lie. It's like, Nintendo, <laughs> your online system really is complicated and, and obtuse and weird, and I hate it. Oh, guys, it doesn't matter, though. Any amount of suffering is fine as long as it's for the benefit of, of children. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> <sighs> Choosing not to make a church joke. Um, anything else? Uh, yeah, we got one more question. Uh, or really, we got two more questions. I'll go ahead and do both of them. Rude Days 93, another patron, says, For 2023, which company do you think had the best 2023? And the worst 2023 does not have to be just the big three. could be any third-party developer or publisher as well. Um, well, that's the loaded-ass question, I'm going to tell you. Um, can I add one who had the most confusing 2023? Because I think that's Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's the most uh, biggest losers and winners from the year? Yeah, basically, what company, regardless of whether it's a console manufacturer or not, uh, in gaming had the best 2023? Um, Larian. Yeah, that's a good cheat code. Yeah. Single game. It's a game that's pretty much universally beloved, sold better than anything, won a bunch of awards. Larian's a really good. So who do you, who do you think had the worst then? Bethesda. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. No, well, I mean, how do you how do you quantify that? I just want to hear. I'm I'm curious because I think I get where you're coming from, but it it does feel rather counterintuitive to say that one of the best selling games of the year, which Starfield was, was also the company behind it. Well, go ahead, Chris. You you may have different information than me, but that game sold well from everything I can see. Yeah. Sure. It didn't sell as well as it would have if it was not on Game Pass Day 1. That's not the point. The point is they released Redfall. <laughs> they released Redfall. Oh, you mean Bethesda as a parent company to yeah. a handful of developers. I got you. I, th- I thought you meant Bethesda Game Studios. My no. bad. They released Redfall. Um, Pete Hines, the guy who was there for 30 years, left. And I don't actually know how long he was there. That was an exaggeration. But He was there a long time. I think it was like 20-something years though. He left, and then Starfield, whether it sold well or not, is sitting at a mostly negative with 29% of people liking the game on Steam. So I don't think you can quantify that as a good year for anybody at Bethesda Studios. Not to mention, they won't tell us if Blade is exclusive, even though it would make logical sense that it is. They won't say it, which is concerning. Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, they kind of had that extra little bit that came out recently where um, Blade is intended to come out 2027 at the earliest, which kind of begs the question of why would you put a system on it now? Because the reality is, is that by 2027, we might be on the next set of consoles and it may not even be, they may put themselves in a cyberpunk situation where now this game's expected to be on a PS5 and, and Xbox series. And realistically, it makes more sense for it to be on the next console because well, 2027 at the earliest, what if it's 2028? What if it's 29? I actually don't agree with that point because yeah, all they would oh, have had to put was Game Pass exclusive. I get what you mean, but and there is the no expectation side, of console. Okay, but the, but the flip side of that still does come down to this. 
I talked about how Phil Spencer had mentioned, and I don't mean the crazy version that people thought where Xbox is going to completely shut down if they don't have a certain number of subscribers on Game Pass at a certain day. But Phil Spencer did mention that if Game Pass does not hit a certain metric internally, that they would have to look at how they how they um, conduct business. And I think what he really means by that is if Game Pass does not show after a certain period of years, and by 2027, I think Game Pass hit in, what, 18, maybe 19? Mm-hmm. I think big. so. So you're talking like an 8- to 10-year window of being able to see how this service can grow and climb. And I think realistically speaking, what's probably going on is that Marvel, Disney, whoever, maybe even Xbox, uh, somebody in there doesn't want to commit to it being one thing because Xbox may be saying, well, this game may be coming out after we have to make a decision that Game Pass is no longer the market that we're going to use. What I mean by that is I don't mean that Xbox is going to go completely out of the console business, but there is no reason to think that part of changing their business plan may not include becoming some form of, we are a platform, but all of our games are also now multi-platform. It's possible. Mm -hmm. Now, is it, do I think that that's what's going to happen? No. But because of the fact that that business model is kind of in flux, why would you even bring up Game Pass? Because Game Pass could very well be dead by 2027. Dude. I I know a bunch of people probably hope not and think not, but it is possible. But here's the reality. If Game Pass is dead, Microsoft is so far gone in the video games industry. The only thing they could do is put it's it on Sega. If if Game Pass dies, Phil Spencer's gone, and I would not be surprised if Xbox is sold off. Because they spent what? Not including everything else. Just this year alone, last year alone, they spent 70, what was it, like $75 billion to bolster Game Pass. And if that doesn't work, it's over. See, now that's where I look at this argument differently. I get your point, but I think you're going a bit to the world. The sky is falling with it all. And what I mean by that is that what they've realistically done is that they've spent a ton of money to make sure that they own the IP and publishing rights to a ton of games that are very valuable. So if Game Pass does fail and the market does not really have a way to be workable at scale in that type of industry or in that type of market for this industry, then I think Microsoft goes, okay, Xbox in this capacity, I don't think they'd sell Xbox is really what I mean. I think no, they I don't maybe severely restructure and say Xbox is a gaming platform. You can play it on your phone. You can play it everywhere. But as part of it being a gaming platform who has access to all these games that we own, now we're also, look, Activision was successful before Microsoft owned it. Mm-hmm. This, is, this sounds like a crazy thing to say. I don't even know if most people know this, but Pepsi owns Frito-Lay. And that sounds stupid, right? You'd be like, why the fuck did did Pepsi, a soda company, buy Frito-Lay? Well, guess what? Frito-Lay makes up 48% of their yearly yearly, um, income. And because the profit margins are even better, they make so much money off of just having the foresight in like the 70s or whenever the hell it was. Maybe it's the 80s. I can't remember. But to be like, yeah, we're going to buy a snack company. So my point being is that that company was already successful before they merged with Pepsi. Activision was successful before they merged with Microsoft. All Microsoft did was take something successful and bring it into their own plate. If mm-hmm. they can keep it at that same level of success at the bare minimum or grow it, it doesn't matter 
if it's if games are only coming to Game Pass with it. So what I would argue is that they've spent that money to gain access to a bunch of IP and publishing rights. Yeah, I agree. Those IP and publishing rights can currently be used to bolster Game Pass, but it's not the exclusive benefit of owning them. And so to that extent, I don't think that it would be that pissed. I think it would be, okay, Game Pass didn't work. We spent all this money, but we still own some of the most iconic gaming franchises of all time and most successful ones of all time. Right. I, let's keep doing it and let's put everything on everything. Hold on. Know? We're in 100% agreement, though. Like, yeah. I'm just being well, more aggressive about I it. Know the, I know you're being more aggressive and you're really being uh, – you're playing it up to prove a point. And I understand that, but there are definitely people who will either take what you said or already think that what really happened is that they spent this money to bolster Game Pass. And I think that's just a very narrow-minded view well, of what they Microsoft did really did. spend the money to bolster Game Pass. That is undeniable. Again, I'm not saying you're wrong, but the that is just a really great benefit of the aspect of buying an already successful company to bolster your gaming. Because they also talked about, and this is clearly the case, and I, a lot of people tried downplaying this, but they also played it because mobile gaming brings in almost more money than anything, and they didn't really have a powerful player in that. So buying Activision, even if the rest of everything went south, they own King, and King brings in some of the most money. So my point being is there was a lot of moves, but Phil Spencer himself said, yes, of course part of this is to bolster Game Pass and to bolster Microsoft's IP in general. The other part of this is to really make big moves in the gaming space on mobile where we don't really have any kind of foot in comparison to anyone else in the market. Sony has one of the highest, now not PlayStation, but Sony, Sony have one of the highest, yeah, has one of the highest grossing mobile games year to year to year for a while now. Microsoft does not have that at all. So buying <laughs> King was a way to ensure that. And I, so all I'm saying is it was a multifaceted purchase with multiple pur- purposes. And one of them was clearly to bolster Game Pass. But if Game Pass does fail, I don't think it, it means that the entire acquisition was for naught. And no, I think I'm that not, they knew that going into it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying Again, is n- that... not saying you are, if but game, for if anyone ga- that takes it that way. If Game Pass fails, mm-hmm. Microsoft has to become a publisher at that point. I actually agree with that. That's and what I think I've, that that that's would be all I've been saying. Because yeah. I are, I would argue at this point that exclusives for Microsoft is kind of against company policy, right? The whole point of Windows is to be everywhere. They oh, rail against parent company policy. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like Bill it's Gates, against Microsoft's general rule. Right. I just I just listened to the Steve Jobs audiobook again, which by Walter Isaacson, which is a fucking incredible book. Fucking incredible. It's the only book I've ever read about a real life person where I'm like, am I sure he's going to die at the end? Um, <laughs> spoilers, I guess. But the whole point is that, you know, Gates in that book argues for jobs to open Mac because that, that helps Microsoft. But that's also the philosophy. They make more money with Windows on everything than just only on Dell's. Right. So logically, this is all Phil Spencer. They talked about that where Microsoft was wanting to get out of games and Phil Spencer convinced them. And this was one of the things he brought up. So my point is more that, yes, they'll have Activision. They'll have Bethesda and they'll just go have fun, make your games, put them out. We'll publish them. But we're 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 going to let it live and we're not going to fuck with it. We're not going to put it make an Xbox console. I truly believe that and I think that's worse for the industry overall. But Game Pass I genuinely cannot fathom how Game Pass is profitable. 
doesn't make any sense how you sell you you bought stuff for 77 billion you're incurring all the costs of those games we know that games of higher quality no offense like the last of us 2 and spider-man cost over 200 million dollars or that was forbidden west so how yeah, the very fuck how the fuck are you going to sit here and try and convince me that $10 a month from 25 million people is enough to make up for that? That's $250 million. That doesn't even get you Spider-Man 3. So what are we talking about here? That's why they have to get it up. <laughs> That's why they have to get the users up so high because they have to make some kind of money off it. There's just no possible way. That's why well, the best I course think... forward, and why I've always said this, I've, I've always thought this about Game Pass, yeah. is that the point of buying all these things is so that they can go, we don't need dra- um, anything from anyone else. Game Pass is entirely funded by us, which is a great sentiment. But even then, you've got 30 studios all making big budget games. Other than Obsidian, who made Pentiment, but they're also making Avowed, right? Well, so yeah, I even think it's it's fair to say right there. Just and I don't want to I don't want to interrupt so much as I want to make sure. I think it's fairly obvious at this point that even the Starfield Starfield is made by significantly less people than most people think. By the way, yeah, uh, and so is Skyrim. Skyrim was made by a very small team, and so it was like Oblivion, 50. so on and so forth. Um, but point being, um, no game at least right now that we've seen come out through game pass has been of a budget of a single PlayStation game. I just don't believe that. And I don't think the quality of the game reflects that budget. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, I think Microsoft have done a slightly better job at being like, we know what game pass is and we've got to budget our games to make sense to some degree on this business model, but it still asks a lot of the business, right? So even if you go, okay, instead of a $200 million game, we're going to make a $75 million game that has some of the value that you expect. And it almost makes me wonder, was Ninja Theory, was the buy of Ninja Theory of, hey, how can we make our games feel more AAA without having to spend that money? And that is exactly what Sinua's sacrifice was, right? Hey, mm-hmm. how do you make a somewhat AAA feeling and looking game that you make on an indie budget? So if they can take that and extrapolate that to most of their studios and they can start making games like Sea of Thieves, and that happened before that, but it's like, okay, Sea of Thieves, it's a rather cheap game to make and it brings in a ton because it's got a store. Great. Mm-hmm. It's games of service. All right. We have the game that uh, Obsidian also made, which was Grounded. Great. That's a cheap game to make. It's got a store, brings in its own money on top of the Game Pass sub. Great. But now we've got to move to Avowed. All right. So how do we make an RPG like Skyrim, but make it cheap. And Skyrim is already a very cheap RPG to make, just to throw that out there. So if that's your if that's your pitch, and you can make a game that's similar in scope and scale to Skyrim with a little bit of the new advancements, and you can make similar, and you can bring in a similar amount of players, maybe that can be budgeted in a way that makes sense. Maybe it can't, but I think that that's what they're banking on. I don't think we're ever going to see, unless that perfect dark reboot that they kept trying to say was quadruple A, uh, unless that turns into a $250 million game or something, I don't think you're going to see games at that budget anytime soon from Microsoft. I agree. I'm curious about something about Skyrim, but my my biggest thing, the math's just not mathing. This isn't a Game Pass show, and to be clear, like I not. love Xbox. 
this is a i know there's a there's a dual sense on top of it but this is an xbox baby like i and my I fucking own a series s my girlfriend's got it. i have two xboxes one playstation so i'm not sitting here saying that like <laughs> you know i want xbox to fail i'm saying that they've trained an audience to expect their games for free it's at, at the very least first party but nobody can deny that there was a groundswell of people who said it's great? Baldur's Gate's coming. When's it on Game Pass? I'm not buying it. That's that is just accurate to what we've seen online. Anecdotal, well, online, of course. That's not the yeah, full story. Like we say, Twitter's not real life. But also something to note in here: Phil Spencer has mentioned on numerous occasions that they are going to approach this the same way Netflix did. As they continue to build the service up, they will adjust the price. And soon, I wouldn't be surprised if you're spending twenty five dollars a month on Game Pass. Which I'm going to be honest. That's still a kind of a steal. It is. If you play one game a month that you would have had to pay $70 for, that's a steal. The the problem is the cost. There is is when you actually think about it, right? If you get to a point where let's say Game Pass is $50 a month. Great deal. Okay, yeah, I mean fair enough, yeah. Relatively great deal depending on what's yeah, on the yeah. service. Yeah, for sure. But Skyrim, no, I'm sorry, not Skyrim. Starfield is a a sensibly hundred hour game that you'll probably play over two to three months. So at what point do people go, why would I pay for game pass when I can just buy Starfield? Yeah. I'm going to play Starfield for three months. That's cost me $150 or I can buy it for 70 bucks right now. And that's, that's the concern, right? That's when it's going to start getting concerning. They can only grow so much because you know, you can buy movies a la carte, but there's not that value proposition of I'm going to be watching fucking up in the air for the next three months of my life. There isn't that. So you could, but it you, wouldn't be you, nearly as engaging. You could, and it's a fantastic <laughs> it, movie. But it's not made for that. Right. When I, I, I look at it as I like having a collection, so I'll spend $14.99 on a, on a, on a movie and just have it forever. But sure. a lot of people don't do that. My brother rents movies. I don't get it, yeah. but he does. And I know that because he uses my fucking Amazon account to do it. So he does that because it's cheaper. So eventually people are going to get to that point. Either way, we can move off it. It's We've talked about Game Pass a lot, but that's my argument for it anyway. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the price caps out at. And I, I mean, of course, we'll never see that because I think if you told anyone years ago that Netflix was going to be $25 a month, they'd be like, no fucking way. <laughs> so... Who knows? Uh, all right, one more question that I am going to be honest. I'm having difficulty coming up with something. I've been kind of mulling it over in the back of my head since I saw it a second ago. What are three predictions for the year? Three predictions for the year. I'm going to shout out PS5 Pro announcement. That's an easy one, though. Yeah, it's very easy. Um, I'll give you one. Uh, PS Portal gets cloud streaming. I was actually, that was my second one. I was really? about to say that. Good, great, great, great minds. Because uh, that just feels so obvious to me. Make your system that can do one thing at least do two things that are very similar. But yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. Third prediction for the year. And it doesn't have to be PlayStation related. Let's see. Hmm. See, prediction kind of feels like you think it's really going to happen. 
to some degree, I wonder where Steam Deck is going to continue to play out into the years and see how it actually adjusts the market to some degree. Um, Make a prediction you think I, is going to happen. I want to hear that. That I think is going to happen? Yeah. I mean, I think in the first three months of this year, we're going to get a Switch 2 re- reveal. Okay. I don't know if it'll be called Switch 2, but you know. You are the most boring motherfucker I've ever heard about. You know what I'm going to predict? You said you thought was going to happen. I'm going to predict for 2024, water yeah. will continue to be wet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, don't tell me to predict something I think is going to happen because that's uh, there you go. That's it. Okay. Um, you know what? While I'm going through my last two that I'm making up on the spot for the records, I hadn't seen the question. Uh, I want you to come up with a bold prediction for next year, something a little scarier for for this year. Correct. The, yeah, it's the yeah. second day of the year, man. <laughs> <laughs> so my second prediction would be Sony buys someone, and we've never heard the name connected to Sony before. That's fair. Uh, I got my my last one. Okay, it's it's may not may not be blowing anyone's mind. I don't think any of the PlayStation games or the service games are going to release this year. That's going to make our draft very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Conquered or Fair Games are going to make it this year. And mm-hmm. there's more that we haven't heard of that could end up coming. But I think the fact that we haven't seen them yet is showing that Sony doesn't feel confident enough to show them <laughs> off. Uh, I would love to be proven wrong. But I don't think either of those games are coming this year. Okay. Um, for the record, uh, Bandai Namco is my prediction. Um, oh yeah. Well, that's, th- they they have a relation with Sony. I mean, that's, I'm I'm more talking. But about, I get your point. It's not CD Project. It's not from yeah. software. It's not. It's not Square someone Enix. that's been. Yeah, I think Bandai Namco is a great purchase for them. I mean yeah. that super wholeheartedly. <coughs> it's yep, very synergistic with the fact that they already own so much ability to tap into anime mm-hmm. and bandai Absolutely. namco makes a ton namco bandai whatever it is but um yeah they have a they make a ton of those tie-in games so uh, you got one more in you and then we're gonna move to the draft all right my last prediction oh boy this is a little Phil Spencer becomes the new head of PlayStation. I'm just going to give it. First of all, this is not going to happen. This is not my prediction, but what I'd like to see for that specific head of PlayStation thing, they need to buy take two and Strauss Zelnick takes over PlayStation. That is what I want to happen. You know, it'd be real interesting. Mm -hmm. I I do not at all think that that's what it is, but wouldn't it be crazy? If Jim Ryan's retirement ended up having him be, he retired so that he could go be the head of Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) They just trade. Because because Xbox was like, bro, listen, you have been killing it with PS5. Y'all's income has been (laughs) insane in the gaming world. We haven't been able to get there. Come over here. Show us your ways. I'm not saying that that's anything what it is, or even if that would be a good idea. Just... How wild would that be? I just think those guys are too. They've been in these companies too long for something like that. As soon as they get the offer, but no, I have to think that (laughs) Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer genuinely don't like each other and genuinely don't like each other's companies. They just have to be nice in public. Um, my last I think prediction. There's, I think maybe Phil Spencer, but I think Jim Ryan is such a businessman 
that he would just be like, whoever's offering the most money, baby. <laughs> I'm a businessman after all. <laughs> He's a businessman. Um, okay, I'm going to make my last prediction my bold prediction. We will start seeing previously exclusive Microsoft first-party games being announced for PlayStation. I think that too, but I have a feeling that might be a 2025 thing. That's yeah. the only reason I didn't bring it up. I think that they're giving it one more real year of seeing how Game Pass continues to grow before they start being like, all right, they'll still be Game Pass exclusive from a service standpoint, but you'll be able to buy them out right <clears throat> on PlayStation. Yeah. And by that, but I we'll mean see. Like, I might be wrong, but Fallout as Remaster. Dust Falls, maybe, because as Dust Falls coming over, I think is very indicative that they're willing at the very least. Yeah. If they if if Jim Ryan was willing to let Game Pass be on PlayStation, it would be on PlayStation. All right, you, yeah. ready to, you ready to draft? Let's draft, man. We got this. It's going to be the end of the show. If this is, uh, if you don't want to hear us talk about a bunch of games, then uh, too bad. You're here. So <laughs> <Sucker>. <laughs> stick around. <laughs> All right, so lay out some ground rules. So Chris and I talked a little bit about before the show about what we wanted them to be. So we did the draft last year, of course. We choose a certain number of games. We get to do a certain number of additions by some capacity. Uh, and then whoever at the end of the year has the higher score wins. Chris, by the way, if you remember, if I'm not mistaken, I think the wager was either a $50 PS card, maybe a $100 one. I have to go back and listen. Mm-hmm. We should have uh, marked it down in the important lock channel in the yes. Discord with all the other information. We'll do that this time. Um but Chris did win. So this year, we're doing the Metacritic draft again, but we wanted to make some changes. Uh, so we will not be doing a bench this year. Instead, what we'll be doing is a drop and swap system. Mm-hmm. There is still a limit to that drop and swap because of the fact that we want to try and put pressure on us to make good decisions. Initially, Chris and I kind of had to go back and forth on what we thought was a good number. So what we've landed on is we're going to choose 18 games per person. Mm-hmm. That way, we eventually have to get into some weeds and make some real non-obvious choices. And secondarily, we are going to not have a bench. Instead, we're going to do drop and swap, as I said, and we will be doing four games. We can drop and swap four games so that we can either drop games that we start feeling more cold on with something that may get announced that we feel better on. And once something is dropped, the opponent can pick that game back up if they choose to do so. So if you make a drop, you have to be really confident that you want to drop that game. So we will be able to drop and swap four times. One very important rule. If a game gets announced to be delayed into the following year, 2025, you can no longer drop or swap it. You are stuck Mm -hmm. with that so that you have a risk of getting zeros, which makes the game a little more chancy. And we have to be really smart at choosing enough games that we don't think are going to be pushed back. And so we have to be real uh, constructive with our criticism while looking at the developers and everything around these games and how likely we think they are to make it. Um, so, <clears throat> with that set and with that lined out, the rest of the rules are the same. We are using Metacritic. Whatever the highest score on whatever platform is, is the score that we will use. And we'll move forward that way. Whoever wins as a means of average will get the prize. What do we want the prize to be? That's the only thing we didn't discuss beforehand. Um, I made it up last year. You can make it up this year. Uh, how about we get a little Brooklyn Nine-Nine infused stuff into here, and we'll do something a little more fun. Slap so bet? it may not... It, a what? A slap bet? 
That's how I met your mother, man. We're doing oh, Brooklyn I know. Nine-Nine. I know, but I'm saying something. Hey, if you move here, I'll slap the shit out of you if I win. You can slap <laughs> shit out of me if, you know, vice versa. A slab bet's not a bad thing, but I was thinking something like a plaque or a belt or something of that sort to see what we can reasonably get made. Maybe even a trophy that just says, you know, we should <laughs> do it. draft winner 2024. <laughs> we should do it like um, like the Stanley Cup, and every time we do it, we engrave our name in <laughs> the name in the. Oh, when we just mark the other person's out with like an X. You don't even mark it name. out. You don't even mark it out. It's just on the the thing. It says, "Oh, you're Chris right. Figaro yeah, just, won 2023, and then Brett yeah. wins 2024, and then Chris wins 2025. Chris died. New host wins 2020-35. You know what I mean." <laughs> I gave oh, myself man. a very short lifespan. Holy shit. Very, very <laughs> short. Okay, we're going to see what we can find in that vein. I'm okay with that. Cool. I like that. So it's going to be some kind of commemorative piece of memorabilia yeah. that, if possible, we will pass between the two of us. And it will be proudly displayed in our uh, our setups. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it'll be my pride and joy. All right. My daughter so- comes in crying. She goes, do you not love me anymore, Father? And I go, no. I have plaque. <laughs> you you have, will have to do where you go uh this is, will be a skit for next year when i win again and you have to set up the cold open as this is where i'd have my fantasy draft black if i had if one, I had one. <laughs> dinkelberg <laughs> yeah. so are we dice rolling again or do i get first pick because i won uh, see, in in any game like this, if you win, the other person gets first pick. That's just how it works, Chris. That's Come on. not true. That, that's how every game I'm aware of, if, if the person wins, the person who did not win the time before gets to do first pick. That's how it works in card games. That's how it works in a lot of things. But we can dice roll if you want. I'm okay let's with just Let's go with dice rolling. That's more fair. Mostly right, because Chris, so we- both of us have the same first game, I'm willing to bet. So, <laughs> All right, so here we go, Chris. Yep. Right is here it? is a D20. Oof. Does it, do you want to do this through computer or do you want I, to do this through I a, don't know where my, my dice are and I'm not going to look, so I'm doing it on computer. If you want to roll it, go for it. Well, are, are we doing D20 or do I need to do a D6? I got no, dice. I, I got a table. D20. I got a D20. Let's do D20. All right. You ready? Yep. Hit it. <gasps> Dude, I'm not even joking with you. A20. A freaking Fuck. nat 20. I got an 18, so you win. Man, where's that look on Yu-Gi-Oh! Night? I'd be rolling like fours. I rolled a one the other day. I was like, good lord. All right, Let keeping... me make sure I'm not lying to you. But this, okay, so I thought this is a countdown one, so I have to double check. But yes, the one is, sometimes they put the symbol for the one instead of 20, but now the symbol's for the 20. Let's go. All right, Chris. Uh, I will go first. Thank you, good sir. Easiest. I'm not. I'm going to put it in before you even say it. Um, okay. Uh, clearly, it is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yeah, it wasn't even like a shock. <laughs> that was what I was going to pick first. But I was only going to pick it first because I knew you were going to pick it first. I'm like, I got to take it. That's fair. I could right. see that. I actually went through a little bit of that on my list. There are games I have listed that I feel very unlikely that I will end up with. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. This All is, right. Final okay, Fantasy VII Rebirth. I got to take that off my list. Um. <sighs> Well, here, do we okay. want to talk about why we made the choice? That one seems yeah. super obvious. That but one's look, super Final obvious. Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII was incredibly well-received. There's a lot of hype behind Rebirth. They're adding a lot of stuff into the game. I'm super curious to see how not only the story is going to shake up and change up, but how some of the new additions are going to play in. Because one of the 
completely reasonable complaints of Final Fantasy VII is it's a bit too linear. It, it's a linear game that feels linear, and I know that sounds crazy, but there are a lot of games that are linear and you don't ever feel that in its makeup. This is still not a big hit to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth because it told a great story, but sometimes you were just like, why did you even bother making this explorable area if there wasn't really anything of value to do here? So hopefully they change that and fix it up. But yeah, I think that the game looks incredible. And the hype around Final Fantasy VII as a sub-series of Final Fantasy is at an all-time high to the point where they are re-releasing Advent Children in theater. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm so stoked to get to see it in theater because it never came out in theaters around here. It may have hit theaters somewhere originally back in 2005, but not here, baby. I watched Advent Children on a PSP UMD, my guy. There you go. Real dedication. All right, Chris, time for your pick. What's pick number I'm just one? Just double checking something. Um. Okay. I almost really fucked up. So <laughs> my original first pick was Monster Hunter Wild because that was listed as coming out in 2024, and then I double checked, and it's definitely not. So with that, oh my god, I'm so much less confident this year. But I'm taking uh, Persona 3 Reload. Yeah, I had a feeling. Which is why it is much further down in my my list. <laughs> You're like, I ain't getting that shit. All right, so why, why Persona 3 Reload? This is a game that's uh, kind of a re-release of something, but Persona's got a lot of hype behind it. it, it mm-hmm. You kind of just think it's going to carry that forward? Yeah, and I think they're. it looks to be a little bit updated to be closer to Persona 5 than Persona 3 in terms of battle system and that kind of stuff. And uh, the story's great. It's a Persona gameplay. It's going to be fun. I'm expecting a 90 on this one, but we'll see. Again, this is a scarier year than last year. Last year, I had a fucking killer first four, and this year, I'm going to have some weird shit up here. All right. My my second pick is a bit of a cheat code, but uh, we did it last year, so we're doing it this year. Um, the Last of Us Part Two Remastered. <laughs> That was on my list. I was going to take that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good choice because if it reviews even the same as it did the first time around, which chances are pretty high, I just got a 93. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. it, it's, it's hard to feel too bad about that choice because I feel like bare minimum, if people want to criticize the fact that it has not enough, I, I feel like the game is in such a good position that even from a review standpoint, people are going to have in their head like, well, this is just a $10 upgrade for people who already own the game. There's enough stuff going towards it, whereas if it was a brand new $70 and there was no other way to get it, there might be a little <clears> more <throat> negative sentiment. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of banking on that to be at least a 90. Okay. So I think I'm taking this game too early, but I want it, I'm claiming it, and I am claiming Dragon's Dogma too. S- smart, and it's why I didn't bank too high on it. Mm-hmm. I will t- I'll go ahead and tell you, Dragon's Dogma 2 is my 13th pick. <laughs> I do think it will do well, and I do think it's a smart choice, mm-hmm. but I had a feeling you were going to jump on it quicker than I did. And that, there's other games in my list that I wanted first. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, Dragon's Dogma 2, um, I didn't play a ton of Dragon's Dogma 1, but I know people love that game. Mm-hmm. And I... It, it has like an 83 on Metacritic, maybe even like an 80. It's it's high enough that you could see a sequel doing even better and being worth the pick. I think it's going to land around where a lot of I was hoping mine were last year, and not all of them did, where it's going to be a mid-80s game. Yeah. yeah. 
So if it, if it hits mid eighties, it's a solid choice. Yeah, and I think look, we're in a renaissance for Capcom a little bit. Um, we so are. I do. So the chances do, of it being a ninety. Yeah, I believe it looks fucking great, and I believe that they're going to hit it out of the park. Um, go ahead. Ooh, okay. Pick number three for me is going to probably it, it could surprise you. Okay, but I have very good thought processes behind it. Okay. It is Microsoft Flight Simulator 2024. Wow. Okay. I, I don't hate that pick. It is kind of like a super good choice. And I almost went with it as pick number one, but I knew that if I did, here's the thing. I didn't think, I didn't know for sure if you were even going to have your eye on this game. So I no, felt I comfortable having it, it as number up. three. Well, it's kind of in the title. <laughs> well, I got, I accidentally searched <laughs> PS5 at the end, so I missed a lot of stuff. Mm, I gotcha. So, Microsoft Flight Simulator, the most recent one from Team uh, Asobi or whatever the hell they're called, um, the, it has like a 91 or 90. It's, it's, it's in the 90s. And if you look at the history of most flight simulator games, they're high 80s to low 90s for the most part. So, if history repeats itself, I should have a pretty solid low 80 or high 80s, low 90s on my repertoire here. Okay. I don't right. even think I need to explain my number three. It is a sequel to one of the greatest indie games of all time, releasing on just PC next year, and I'm taking Hades 2. Oh, see? This was in my list, and I'll tell you, I, was, I didn't number it for mm. one reason alone. If this is like Hades 1... It will be an early access, potentially for most of the year, and it may do exactly what happened with Sons of the Forest for me last year. Yeah, but I'm betting it'll get reviewed in early access. I hope so, for your sake, but Sons of the Forest did not. Fair. But but you've chosen, Devil's it, so advocate, here we are. Devil's Advocate, Sons of the Forest, Hades 2, different levels. <laughs> you may think so, but honestly, in the PC world... The Forest was a big hit. It has an 88 on Metacritic, and it was very well received. So I think I still understand your point, but I think that you're just, you're underselling Sons of the Forest a bit. But that's okay. Fair enough. That's okay. All right. So that's uh, that's number three for you. I, I'm taking a I'm taking a page out of your book to a degree, but also out of learning that apparently fighting games do way better than Fuck. I anticipated. Gotcha. And Tekken Eight is number four. That was that was <laughs> that was on my list. That was one. It's yeah. funny because when I was going to make my first pick, I was checking to be sure that it was coming. It hadn't already come out. Yeah, it's February if I remember correctly. <sighs> okay. Oh, I'm uh, man. This is this I don't is a hard much one. more than that. I was really surprised that both Mortal Kombat One and Street Fighter Six both scored in the nineties. I was not surprised about Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. I was a little shocked about. Yeah. All right, Chris, um, number four. I may be the only person not who does is not high on this game. But I'm taking it anyway, and that game is Rise of the Ronin. Ah, okay. It is lower on my list. I think this game looks really good, but I think that this could very easily be like an 80, which is not a bad choice at all. Like a, a, high, a high 70s to a low 80s. Um, I could also see a mid 70s, like a 75. 
But I also think this game has the potential to do what, what the occasional Team Ninja game does, and it comes out to like a high 80s. Yep. Wouldn't be shocked by either one. But just to throw in, that was number 15 on my list. So I definitely was going to, but it seemed less important than a lot of things because it's a little too up in the air for me. But yeah. good, I, I actually think it's a smart choice. Thank you. I don't know if I would have chosen this high up, but I think it was probably smarter than how low I had it. Yeah. 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 Go for it. So, all right. Number five is, um, let me see. I had this up earlier. Uh, do, do, do. Oh, yeah. You stole my number five. I forgot about that. So I got to go to number six now. Uh, <clears throat> Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. That was on my list. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my hope is that this game is in the 80s. I don't really care about where. I think that talk online has been kind of weird. Uh, because I think people wanted more 3D Prince of Persia and they haven't gotten that in a long time. But I think that side-scroller action games like this have really had a great resurgence. And I think that if this game does well, has a high chance of being well-regarded to the point where it may not break into the 90s. I'm not bullish on it enough to say that. But I think from what I've seen and what I know the franchise is capable of, I could see this being a solid 80. And that's enough for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So. I I am going to take a game that I would not be surprised isn't even on your list. But I'm very excited about it. That game being The Plucky Squire. Yeah, it's it's on my list as backup in case it's necessary. <clears throat> and I think it's a potential. But yeah, so why is your what's leading you towards that being a high enough pick to be number five? I have a feeling we're not going to overlap too much more. And honestly, this is just one I want to make sure I have because I do have a really good feeling that's going to be good. I think it's a super charming game. So I'm yeah. not surprised. Um, I was actually it, surprised to see that it was a 2024 game to begin with. Yeah. I, de- I just don't think Devolver misses. Like, no, they almost don't. everything I think they that, make is great. Yeah, you're right. I think Annapurna is in very similar light where almost anything that they put out is going to be well received. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a smart choice, but uh, yeah, I didn't even have it numbered. So, yeah. Maybe we won't overlap as much as we thought. Uh, I know that my next game will, will not overlap on uh, because coming back around for number six, uh, this game is leaving early access February 23rd. So, so the Forest will be my sixth choice, yes. <laughs> I'm surprised that it made on the list two years in a row. One. <laughs> I okay. didn't think you'd grab it, so I felt comfortable leaving it till a little bit later. Yeah. But if it if it hits anywhere close to the forest one, it's a high eighties. Okay. Um I guess in a way I'm playing my own game here. Um I I was um I'm taking some influence from people around the industry. Oh, okay. I don't know if this, this game has got nothing for me, but everyone around me seems to think it's going to be good, which means I am taking Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Oh, yeah, dude. That's a game that I do not see the value. It's been in the works for so freaking long, and it keeps getting delayed, and I just I don't know. I'm, I'm like you. I I'm don't ready see to it. drop it. But I'm, I want it just yeah. to be sure. I hope it's a, I hope it's a sneak pick for you. 
Yeah. Like both of us are doubting it and then it's a high 80s. That'd be crazy. That would be nice. All right, Brett, what's your seven? All right. So seven for me is uh, Hellblade 2, Sinuous Saga. That was on my list. I feel fairly bullish that it will make it this year. And if I'm being honest, my main choice is that Hellblade 1 did pretty well in Metacritic on a much smaller budget and with a much smaller audience. And while that may have helped sentiment around it, and it may have gotten a higher score because people were surprised at how much an indie team was able to do without a publisher, that's possible. Mm -hmm. But I really think that Hellblade was a great game. And I think if they can push some of those ideas even further with a bigger budget and with, with knowing that people are into the idea, I think this could end up being a high 80s. I would love for this to be one of Microsoft's first breaks into the high 90s. Um, that's really rare for them. If they get that here, I think they'd be sick, but I'm not truly anticipating it. I think if this can get an 88, 89, they'll, I think I'd be very happy, and I think Microsoft would too. I can agree with that. Okay. So. Oh, man, that's, that's not a bad pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow suit with you. I'm going to take a Microsoft exclusive coming from the Black Rock, as the homie Lord Cognito would like to say. Mm-hmm. I am taking a vowed with my seventh pick. Dude, that is a ballsy pick because nothing nothing indicates that it's coming this year. No, I, I just checked. Their gameplay trailer says 2024. Oh, it does? Okay, yeah. I guess I'm wrong then. Because the whole reason I didn't choose it is because I didn't remember seeing 2024 anywhere. No, I And I don't fine. see... And I checked a bunch of lists about games coming out in 2024, and Avowed was not on any of them. So yeah. I don't know why. The lists did not do me justice. Because like I said, I was about to take Monster Hunter Wilds with my first pick. So, <laughs> Yeah, that would have been a rough pick. Oof. Hey, push it up All to right. December 31st. So we're going into eight now, correct? Yep. Okay, eight for me is a game that I have a feeling is on your list because I'm surprised you haven't chosen it earlier uh, just because of who it's being made by. But who's who's to say that it actually will hit the same rarefied air? Um, I'm going with Metaphor Refantasio. Not because I actually think it's a game that I will like. Could be. Um, but I think paying attention to what people enjoy and what is behind with somebody like Atlas, this seems like a game that could easily end up in the 80s. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I didn't even have it on my list. I forgot. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That, so that's eight for me. I'm feeling really good. You've only taken one of mine, so I've just had to scoot all my numbers up. By one. <laughs> well, you've taken you've taken more, but they were so low that I'm not worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, My next pick, my number eight pick with the draft. I don't even, I'm not going to take it yet. I'm not taking this game yet. Um, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I believe in the game. I'm taking Helldivers 2. Oh, okay. You finally hit one of my list again. Uh, it's, it's further down, but I think that the game has a good chance. That's number 14 for me. Okay. Nope. That doesn't look right. Is Helldivers one word? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it looks great. I think the move to a third person will be fun. I think it's hitting the right balance of uh, quote unquote darks. Excuse me, Dark Souls level difficulty with just fun gameplay. It 
The Helldivers one is fucking awesome. So, yeah, I've never played it, uh, but I know a lot of people really love it. So I'm not at all. I'm not surprised at all to see it hit anybody's. Um, all right, so we're going for game number nine now, right? Yes, sir. All right, and so since I'm scooching up, that means that the Wolf Among Us two. I'm putting my faith in once <laughs> this more. Motherfucker. As my number nine choice. Uh, if you ask me if I was... Here's the thing. I replayed The Wolf Among Us this year, at the beginning of the year, on Vita. And it's so good. That does not at all mean that a sequel will be good. Telltale's a very different company now for a million different reasons. But I think if they stick to the core at all about what made this game good and they have a decent set of writers if i'm not mistaken the original writers from the first game are back for this one if that is the case i think this game has a chance to be the triumphant return for telltale i hope that's the case this game has gone through hell from a development standpoint but they have recently spoke about it still hitting 2024 so i feel confident enough to put it on my list okay um I would like to preface this with I am not confident this game will come out and I am only taking it because I think if it does come out, it deserves a top 10, which means I am taking Hollow Knight Silk Song. Oh, yeah, dude, that's actually a super good choice. But I have just basically existed in the point where that game doesn't exist until it comes out. Can I tell you a funny story (laughs) about Hollow Knight Silk Song? My old boss, I loved him. Great guy. Um, Keith, shout out if you're listening to this show. I have been waiting. I've made a joke out of it that I would only text him when I thought Hollow Knight was coming out. I have not texted him in four years. <laughs> Something along those lines. Because I'm just waiting for the day it gets a release date and I can text him, it's finally time. <laughs> Dude, It's he, here's the crazy thing. is I really debated putting this on my list. Yeah. But I've been burned so many times that I just couldn't find myself to be emboldened enough. And I got burned with so many games I I chose to be a little bullish on last year that I decided that instead of risking a zero again, that I was just going to leave it alone. (laughs) So with that in mind, I do think that there is a chance, considering how long it's been, that the approach for that game from a marketing standpoint would not be to shadow drop it, but to show it again at an event and then be like, hey, it's out in two weeks. I agree. Get ready to rumble. So, yeah. So you very well may be in a good spot. Yeah. But I'm curious to see if you're going to keep that risk the whole year or if by Summer Game Fest, if if it doesn't show up at Summer Game Fest, that you're like, okay, I'm going to drop this. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So. All right, Brett. What's number 10? Uh, my number 10 is one that I'm a little worried about coming out this year just because some of these games have been pushed a lot. The games that have been uh, internet found and then kind of got pushed behind by big developers and big publishers. But I'm going to go with Black Myth Wukong. And a lot of the reason for that is because a couple of the games from these programs have, I've really enjoyed, like Fist, um, Forged and Shadow Torch is what it was called. Um, and I think the... I was really bullish on Lies of P, but there was always a part of me deep down that thought Lies of P might end up being a kind of not so great game that just got shown off really well. And the fact that Lies of P came out and is among the, my favorite games this year has kind of given me a new renewed interest in developers from that part of the world. So I'm really hoping this game can prove to be at bare minimum 
an eight. If it's an eight, I'm happy with the choice. Okay. Okay. So uh, there, there we have it. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna take a game that I don't even know if you've ever heard of, and I'm taking a uh, Unicorn Overlord. I actually saw it earlier, and I'd never heard of it prior to earlier. But yes, I saw it. So like go it for it. Fucking sick. <laughs> That's all I got to say about it because I do not know a ton about it, but it looks fun. I'm with you. So I noticed, and I almost don't even want to say anything. Oh, but boy. we're pretty far in right now, and I noticed that neither of us have chosen Outlaws. It's on my list. I feel like. I've, oh, it's it's typed in, but I don't have a number <laughs> beside it. But I I think that, that I think that goes to show you that uh, neither of us are too bullish on that game actually hitting a twenty four window. Because if I'm being honest, I don't mean this in the bias sense, but there seems to be a general rule that a relatively high budget Star Wars game is going to at least land in the eight or higher category. It mm-hmm. pretty much without fail happens that way. So if this game is any kind of okay, the fact that it's Star Wars is probably going to push it to being viewed even more prominently since Star Wars continues to grow as an IP. So I think Outlaws has a high chance of being an eight or higher. I just, I just don't know if I want to risk the zero. So it's interesting that you landed on that. Uh, so my first kind of off-the-wall pick that I'm hoping against hoping that this game still comes out this year Um is Creedfall 2, The Dying World. Damn it, that's on my list. Because Creedfall 1 was awesome, but here's the thing. Creedfall 1 was a 77, if I remember correctly, on Metacritic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Creedfall 2 does have a new publisher, does have more money behind it, and it is Spider's first game where they really kind of broke out of their shell uh, from a popularity standpoint. So I'm hoping that Creedfall 2 can get in the 8s. You muted yourself. I, shush, you didn't have to. I noticed. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and match your, I'm not entirely sure, but I want it kind of thing. And I'm going to take okay. John, I'm going to take John Carpenter's Toxic Commando. Bro, that is a wild choice, but <laughs> I hope it pans out for you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it looks good? I don't, but I am not the zombie fanatic that a lot of people are, but I do love John Carpenter. So my hope for you is that John Carpenter is good enough to make that game. Push it over the edge. Actually be good. My hope is that it at least kind of for you is that it lands in, because whenever I was mulling it over earlier, I was thinking this game could kind of end up in kind of the killing floor territory, but even killing floor two sits at like a 78. I want to say, uh, so I feel like best case scenario for that game, you're talking like high sevens. It's not as bad as some of my worst choices from last year. I'll so. take a high seven. I would too. I would too. Trust hey, me. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I will drop it if it's <laughs> if it starts to look a little, yeah. but I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt as my pick here. Man, you never know. I think zombies just have a very specific place in media and sometimes they surprise me. Like People really like it and... I would like to say it's probably because the games are also good, but I was really surprised at how well Dead Island 2 seemed to have gotten received and even sold. Like the game mm-hmm. seemed to do well overall for a, a project that for a long time I personally considered to be doomed. I really do want to play that game too. It's cool. All right, Brett, what's your 12? Oh, okay. So moving everything up one, as it were. 
you took my 12 at one point, so I've got to take my 13 unless you took my 13. Did you? Yeah, Plucky Squire, right? <laughs> no. No. But it looks like either I forgot to put a 13, which I don't think I did. I remember going through. So you must have taken it. I know Rise of Ronin was, was pretty late in mine. Um, there's a couple of choices I'm a little iffy on that I think could be smart, but they may not be smart enough. But I'm going to go ahead and start hedging some of my bets here since I don't have a 13. Instead of moving everything up by one, um, I am going to say that 13 will be... 12. Or, sorry, 12, rather. Yeah, uh, 12 will be... Oh, wait, what? I'm on game 12? No, yeah, you're right. I moved, I moved to Chernobyl. Yeah, that's what it was. I moved uh, Creedfall up into that position. Uh, oh. But I was looking for 13 because it would have been the one to move up into gotcha. its place. I know what I did. So for game 12, I'm going to land on what should be a relatively safe bet. And I'm going to do Luigi's Mansion 2 Dark Moon Remaster. Ooh, okay. I like it. Good pick. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> okay, I think now's the time. Um, I'm a Kickstarter backer. Put that out there right now. I'm taking Mina the Hallower. Okay. All right. Not bad. Looks great. Shovel Knight 2 is a classic, or Shovel Knight's a classic, so taking it. Brett, you got a 13 for me? I do have a 13 for you, and it's a game I'm genuinely surprised you've not taken yet. Okay. But maybe that's because you don't feel like it's actually going to come out this year, which I think is a potentially fair thing. So before I before I actually choose it, I'm going to quickly say myself. Just for the record, I have one that I'm going to pick at 17 and 18. You're going to laugh when I pick one of them. Because it's not coming out next year, but I'm taking it just in case. <laughs> oh, wait. Am I? Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of a completely different game, I guess. Um it, it would seem that this game already has a release date. Uh-oh, SpaghettiO. That's good. That means I'll, I'll find out soon. Uh, like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Yeah, that game looks fantastic. I cannot believe that you did not take this. I didn't realize it was this month. Holy crap. Um, I'm going to be honest. I've been burned every time I took a Yakuza game. They've been like sevens. So. Yeah, like, but yeah, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. Now that I know it's coming, I'll take a seven in the 13th spot. You bet your ass <laughs> I'll take good. a seven. Here's Speaking my hope. If every game I chose releases this year, I'm in a much better spot than last year. That is facts. Speaking of that, I'm going to take a game that I know you're not going to pick, but I'm still picking it because I bet it didn't even enter your brain. I am. This is go. I think the publisher EA has to nail this game. This genuinely might be one of their most important releases of all time, which is why I'm confident in it. I am taking NCAA football 2025. Okay. That is, is the NCAA games are monumental games. Oh, they are. Trust me. I'm, I have a bunch of friends around here who like the football and I would be shocked. And that's the thing. If they fuck this up, I actually wouldn't be. It's EA, but still, well, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. It's EA. Regardless of what anybody thinks, they always make 
games that are good enough for the people that mm-hmm. want to buy them. And I think that, that means that they're good enough games that they tend to review well enough. If this game doesn't end up in at least sevens, you you know, it's like, here, here's the thing. Any game from EA is so unlikely to be in the six and below category that it's a smart choice in and of itself. Yeah. Look, even, hold on, just because I feel it's important to do it. Even one of their most hated games, or at least most shit-talked games of all time, Anthem, is at a 59. That's, how often do they put out an Anthem? Do you know what I mean? Not often, yeah, I do. So it's like, if, if a 60, essentially, a 59 is literally their lowest, and it was a live service game, I feel like you're in good air. You're in a good spot. You're not going to worry about this. That, yeah, that's pretty good. But smart point. That that did not show up in my mind at all. Never crossed my mind at all. So I'm with you. All right. So following through, what are we on now? Are we on fourteen. 14? Okay. See what I want to give 14 to. This is where we start going into parts where I can be smarter with some of my decisions or I can start highlighting some of the games I really want to do. Um, Here's one that I feel bullish on, and I think it might be on your list somewhere. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and take it now as 14. It's Banisher's Ghost of New Eden. I think the game looks incredible. I love Vampire. I love Remember Me. Here's the thing. All of Don't Nod's games that I really love do not score very high. I don't know why. Remember Me did not score very high. It was like a high 70s. And that sounds bad. I'm, I'm saying that for a Metacritic draft where your goal is to get the highest possible, this is not an obvious pick. I agree. But I do think it's a safe bet when we're in the 14 out of 18 category that I feel strong enough that this will get at least a seven, and therefore it's not a zero. It's super unlikely to be a five or a six or four. At a seven, it's a good choice in 14. Okay. All right, I think you're going to laugh at me here. Oh, maybe. um, This game should be out by March 2025. The CEO of Take-Two has indicated that he does not believe there will be any delays. Grand Theft Auto 6? Really? No, I'm not fucking insane. I am taking a game that if it does release next year, I'm confident in a high 90s. That game, and again, I have to take this game because you will drop something for it. Okay? Which means I'm taking Judas. It's actually a super smart choice, but I feel like that's a 25 game. I don't think it's coming out next year at all, but it's supposed to come out in the fiscal year that ends in March. That is three months of 2024 and a lot more of uh, or three months of 25 and a lot more of 24. So I'm going to take it. If there's no date by like June, I'm out, but I'm taking it anyway. <laughs> Can't blame you. Can't blame you at all. It's a smart choice. Um, all right. I'm going to go... I'm actually going to switch up my 15 and 16 because I feel pretty good about them. And I don't think you're going to take the other one from, from listening to this conversation. Uh, so 15 for me is going to go to Little Nightmares 3. I love Little Nightmares 1. I didn't play Little Nightmares 2 yet, but it reviewed pretty well. And so if, if I land in an 8 here, I'm happy. If I land in a 7 here, I'm happy. I don't give a shit. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds bad. I'm not trying to judge the game in that direction, but I think that there's a good history and it's the type of thing where they don't have to rock the boat a lot to end up with a relatively solid score. 
So the, the only way I can really see this getting a seven is if someone goes, it just doesn't do enough to, to try and build on its predecessors. Instead, it leans on their things too much. Well, guess what? People liked those things. So if it ends up at a seven because of that, I'm happy. Fair enough. I'm checking one. There's a game I noticed that you have not chosen that uh, I really thought you would have carried over. What is that? Oh, carried over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not taking Suikoden. I don't trust them. Um, <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> this is hard. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Oh, fuck. I don't believe in the team. I believe in the IP. Okay? I just want to make that clear when I take Silent Hill 2. That's... Okay. I am unsure of how I feel about it hitting 24 as well. Oh, I think so. Sony's been talking about it as a 24 game, no? Hey, I hope so. I, I, that Dude, for how late in the competition this is, this is probably your best choice. Thanks. I There's a very high chance that this... I, I believe in... The, I, I, I completely get where you're at. I believe in the developer enough that with the strength of the IP and the yearning for it, this is going to do well enough. Yeah, I think that's exactly where I'm at. Yeah, that's a pretty smart choice. Um, okay. All right, my my 16 is way safer than your 15, okay. uh, and that's okay. Uh, it's Paper Mario 1,000-Year Door Remaster. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yep, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right. I feel like here, here's the thing. I don't feel like there's as much need to talk about remasters because if I'm being honest, A, it's a Nintendo game they tended to put out games that are at least seven and eights at the bare minimum. Right. Um, but this was already a fairly beloved game and it did like an eighties in back on, I think it was high eighties back on GameCube in Oh four. So, you mm-hmm. know, nostalgia is a powerful thing. <clears throat> we saw Metroid prime remastered literally do better than I think the original Metroid prime did <laughs> <laughs> yes. on, on release. If not, at least the same. And if you get the same, which is why I chose the last of us Two remastered, you're in great hands. You know, it's like nostalgia is so powerful that mm-hmm. that's going to be a big factor here. All right, Chris 16, buddy. Um, I'm going to go with a safe pick here. I think this game is guaranteed at least a 75. Um, okay. Just, and it's 100% coming out next year. Absolutely no chance it's delayed because I am taking MLB 25 the show. Yeah. I think it's a smart choice. I was surprised it wasn't higher up in your list. I'm going to oh, tell you, Chris, I, I'm it's, not wasting it's on my list with no number because I was like, he's going to take it. <laughs> you, you I know. almost felt like I had to give <clears throat> it to you. I appreciate that. I deserve it. You know, like I I felt compelled to be like, Chris has to have first chance. (laughs) Like it was like, it was probably like one of the candidates for 18. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's a smart, safe pick and it's for sure coming out. So, um, Chris, I noticed that Stellar Blade hasn't listed. It was, I I, I, get burned. No, I just. Rise of the Ronin was my scary pick, and Stellar Blade's one of those. So I'm not, I'm good. So is that's that what you're taking? Huh? Oh, no. No, oh. no, it's not. Not at all. Oh, okay. I think that game will be fine and be great. And it'll probably even land at the very worst a six. 
But do I want to risk a six right now? I don't know. But I can tell you Crystal? the character's a 10, so you have that oh, going yeah. for you. <laughs> I, yeah, I very much have that going It's the for end me. of your list, and you can drop. So, you know. I mean, you're right. I can drop, and it is the end of my list. But, Chris, I plan to play better uh, earlier on than I did last year. No more Red Falls on your list? <laughs> I feel worse about Red Fall than I do Forspoken. <laughs> I had no reason to believe that Forspoken would be amazing from a pedigree standpoint. I just hoped it would. And I ended up loving the game, so that's great. A 56. But Redfall, Redfall came from rarefied air. As far as I was concerned. And I have never been burned so bad. To the point where as excited as I am at the prospect of Blade coming from Arcane. You best believe my first thought is, I'm going to hold up and wait till I see more on that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely since it's not coming for another four years. So, you know, (laughs) there's that too. Fair enough. All right, Chris. So what are we on? We're on 17 now, right? Yes. All right. For 17, I can play it incredibly safe. I could. Can you play it safer than MLB The Show? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I cannot. That's uh, that's absolutely true. But what I feel pretty confident on, but I'm going to double-check myself real quick. Do-do-do-do. I feel relatively confident that this game will come, but it'll be a game that will be in my potential to drop just based off of... Rele- if I start to feel worried about the release date... I am going to choose the successor the successor to the very popular VR title Thumper in the form of Thrasher. If it follows suit, it should be a high 80s. You're muted. I don't hate that pick at all. I like that. Yeah. All right. So 17 goes to Thrasher. I've, that means I've got to make a real tough decision to figure out what my last title is going to be here. But mm-hmm. go ahead, Chris. So I've made a lot of risky picks, and I'm going to make another one here. And it's funny because we talked about this game earlier in the show. Um, I'm taking Concord. That is, a, that is a very big risk, in my opinion. But I respect it. I think it's coming. Hey. I'm with you. There's a game on my list that, much like yours, for 18, I'm not choosing it, I okay. don't think, but I I want to at least shout it out. Much like Hades 2 ended up on your list, there was a game that was supposed to be out in early access um, this year, and if I'm not mistaken, it got pushed into um, 2024 because of, yeah... We're, de- we're delaying Steam Early Access to 2024. Hyperlight Breaker. It's the 3D follow-up to Hyperlight Drifter. And Hyperlight Drifter is an incredible game, and I love it. And I think that this game will be very good. But because so many developers have moved towards this Early Access thing, you look at certain games, and they are very comfortable being in Early Access until they feel like they can confidently release. Sons of the Forest will have been in Early Access for 11 months, if I'm not mistaken, by the time that it mm-hmm. releases as a full release. And so it's very risky to choose a game that's going to be in Early Access 
Because another good example is Baldur's Gate 3, which was in early access for about a year and a half. Two years, yep. Yeah. So when you look at those things, I am not quite bullish enough to want to choose Hyperlight Breaker, but I think it's a good shout-out game. Okay. Instead, my pick, which is I want to avoid dropping. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to risk this here for 18 because none of us have talked about it yet. And I will drop it if things do not calm down enough uh, with what's going on over in Ukraine. But I'm going to go ahead and choose Stalker 2. Since that was on my list, yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing here. We're in a weird position where we have almost no clue what's coming from Sony next year right now. Yep. I feel like there are some games that will make the chopping list. And honestly, Stalker, Stalker 2 might be one of them once we actually hear more about what Sony has coming. But I have another wild prediction that I didn't want to throw out there because I'm hoping it's not true whenever Josh asked what our predictions were. Not only do I not think that Conquered or Fair Games are going to make it this year, if they do, it's going to be very late in the year, I feel like, maybe mm-hmm. like in November. Um I don't know that besides second-party deals like Final Fantasy um, or third-party deals, I guess, in that capacity, uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I don't know that Sony's going to have any big first-party exclusives this year. I hope I'm wrong. That's bold, but I can see that. I see zero reason to believe that they have any right now. You know what's funny? You want to hear one of the games that was on my list? What's that? Ghost of Tsushima 2. That's a dude, that is the most bold thing you can put out. And hey, listen, I hope it does come out. But if you look at Sony's trajectory of how they release games and or at least how they announce them and how they talk about them, we should have known the next game without a release date after Spider-Man 2. The only true guess we have right now is Wolverine. And it's from the same studio that just put out <laughs> Spider-Man 2, which makes it really unlikely, considering there was a leak, too, that it's going to come out in this year. So with that in mind, what the hell does Sony have up their sleeves? Yeah. The Last of Us remastered, you know, The Last of Us Part 2 remastered technically counts, but it's a remaster. What does Sony have as new or sequel IP that they have any kind of... Helldivers counts, but it's a smaller game for them. I'll give them their credit, though. It is a, at least an exclusive from them, and it is first party. Second what is party. their next big budget game? Yeah, we don't know. Concord. You're right, second party. But. It's Concord. Yeah. And look, <laughs> that might be the thing, but if I'm going to be honest. If Sony's 2024 plans are for, their, for both of their tentpole games to be fair games and Concord, I think that's a crazy bold choice to have made. And it may be of necessity because none of the other games were just ready enough to be shown yet. That's very likely. It's possible. Um, or, you know, to release yet, really. Because I feel like we're going to see games this year. We may see Ghost of Tsushima this year. It's not coming out this year. No, definitely not. So with all that in mind, I think that <sighs> it seems crazy that I have more Xbox exclusives on our on my list than I do PlayStation exclusives. Yeah. Yeah. Man. What's your 18, bro? Oh, you That's said it. it. Sorry. Stalker 2. You said it. You're fine. What's your 18, man? This is the game that you seem Dude. to be thinking is there, no way possible it's coming. That was Concord. I picked it early. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. 
if you chose GTA 6, though, for real, like I thought you were earlier, I was like, that's a real madman choice. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the first pick into 2025 draft, no question. Um, oh, yeah. This is hard because I'm between like three games and a DLC. Okay. I'm glad you brought up DLC because I almost, and I know what it is, it's Erdtree, but no, I didn't not. know for, oh, oh, okay. I didn't know if they were, I didn't know for sure if it'd get reviewed separately and if it would count. So I, I steered away from it, it but I count. thought Erdtree is a, Erdtree is an excellent choice if it gets a separate review. You fucked up because that wasn't even on my list. And I just told you it? Yeah, but I'm not picking it either way. The <laughs> DLC was Final Shape and I got burned well, on Final Lightfall. Final Shape will count. You got, I got hard on life. I did. But Final Shape, like, I have to, I think we have to be in agreement. Final Shape has to be good. Right? You think? But it has to be good. That's like the future of Bungie. If they fuck that up, it's probably over for Bungie as we know it. Look, realistically, it regardless, it, it, but it probably has to be good even more now that they're owned by Sony. Yeah. Than if they were independent. Because Sony acting in the advisorial role will be like, if this has to be good. And if Lightfall came out and didn't blow the world away, that Sony's going to be like, listen, Final Shape has to be better. But then you again, know? the excuse for Lightfall being and was that, hey, this, this was just the the side one, right? The main one, Final Shape, people are working on it right exactly. now. Exactly. I'm not picking that, though. Um, fuck Destiny 2. This is right, it's well, hard. Because here's the thing. I, I'm not worried about you stealing anything. So clearly ones, our list barely overlaps. Yeah. One well, of the I ones, think actually I, I stole more from you than you from me. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I'm considering, but I don't know if I'm bold enough, but previews are really good. It looks fun. looks a little weird, but it looks fun. Foam stars is on my list. Dude. I, here's the thing about foam stars. I don't believe in it at all. I don't and it's not my type of a game at all. And so I've, I didn't even type it in. It's mm. not even on there as a potential for me because I I feel like it's going to come out and I, a lot of people did give it, but in all honesty, I just don't believe in the game at all. <laughs> Every game that I chose today is a game that I, even if I don't care about it, like I'm, I don't care it. about, yeah, I don't care about Luigi's Mansion 2 or Paper Mario, but I know that they're beloved games that people enjoy and that there's real value in them that I can tell. I don't mm-hmm. see the value in Foam Stars yet. I hope no, it's I there, and I'm glad to see <clears throat> some people do seem to be excited for it, even in our Discord. But it's a no from me, dog. But watch it be a sleeper hit. Oh, I can see that. Um, I'm going to look up one more thing, because I'm considering Phantom Blade Zero. Okay. Well, Chris... Do, 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 oh, do, are we on do, a, do, are we on a time do, limit? Do, 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 Fuck it. Do, I'm taking, do, do, do. all right, stop, stop duding because I'm, I'm taking, <laughs> I'm making my pick. I'm picking something safe, something that I personally think looks fun, um, mm-hmm. something that I know is coming out next year, and I'm taking PlayStation exclusive Pacific Drive. There you go. I think that game looks, looks interesting. I'm not completely sold on it, but I do believe it's coming out, and... It does have that PlayStation exclusive thing. Look at that, Chris. I just got my list. Yeah. On my wrist. <laughs> the list, wrist list. Yes. <laughs> wrist list. <laughs> All, right. All right, Chris. Let me ask well, you this uh, quick. now that this is set in stone, the competition is on, and I wish you the best of luck. 
Brett, but also burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. Up, who do you Chris? think has the best list? Uh, Chris, can I say that I'm partial to my own? Yeah, you can. Doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> no, look, realistically speaking, I was very surprised now that we're at the end of this that you had, I think, three games off my list total. And all three games besides Persona were pretty late. Yeah. So I'm going to say I do genuinely feel like as much as I thought about this and even tried putting myself in your shoes, Mm -hmm. I do feel like I have the list that I would have wanted to see and I was worried you were going to take. (laughs) Okay. So with that in mind, I, I, I do, but I feel like you have a couple of really good choices that I had, like I hedged against. I think yeah. Silent Hill 2 is actually a really smart choice, first and foremost. Okay. I like uh, that. You have, a, you have a much, much more risky choices, but they have a high dividends if they do pay off, yeah. and that's Judas and Hollow Knight. Mm-hmm. But I think you have way more opportunities for zeros than I do. I do. Uh, which is interesting because we both had a lot of zeros last year. I think we actually we had an equal number of zeros, if I'm not mistaken. I might have had one more than you. One, two, three. But clearly, I've, I've course corrected. I can only hope I didn't course correct too much. Yeah, we both had no. You know what? I want to know something crazy? I won and I had four. You had three. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, but I, I also had Redfall. <laughs> yes, but I did have one, two... Three, four, five. I had six 90s. Yeah. So, so that helps. And I had, a, I had a few 90s, but they weren't enough. I'm going to be real with you. I immediately regretted taking Concord, but it could hit. Because here's the thing. Dude, I had, hey, I hope. Yeah. For your Warhammer sake, I hope. But also for PlayStation's sake, I hope. I mean, they've clearly invested a lot. Yeah. Warhammer, Warhammer was there. Warhammer was a safe seven. Yeah, in my opinion, but I, I chose against it. Yeah. What was your so, riskiest game you put on your list? Because I said some of mine, but I have a couple in here. Uh, honestly, right now, riskiest is probably Stalker Two because of the fact that with what's going on in Ukraine, there's just literally no way to tell when they will return to developing it, if they even have what its development is like, and how much stopping mid project to go do something will uh, impact the game. And if they come back to it, well, they want to change the game based on the experiences that they had. I just think it's a real weird one. But if I take it away from that, um, I don't know, man. I'm going to be honest. I played it pretty safe. (laughs) This sounds maybe the Wolf Among Us too, because Telltale has yet to be able to get their shit together since they've reformed as a company. And there's been a lot of bad talk about how development's gone and how it's stopped and started and stopped and started. And the same thing I was talking about with Stalker comes true here. How does that impact the game? Does the game even make it this year still? Even though they keep talking about it, does this game push out yet again? Um, Maybe maybe Black Myth Wukong, just because it's literally an unknown quantity. Nice. We know what the game looks like, but no one knows a developer. There's no pedigree. Right. So I'll tell cool, you, man. One, ones I chose against that I really th- expected for you to see, definitely since Pikmin ended up doing pretty well for me and a couple of the Nintendo choices did well for you. Um, I still had Princess Peach Showtime and Mario versus Donkey Kong on my list if I really wanted to play it ultra safe. Princess Peach Showtime is a good one. 
Yeah. So I was really surprised that you didn't take any of those. I was I thought surely this man, the whole reason they're on my list is because I thought there's four here. If he takes one, I take another. If he takes another one, I take another one. <laughs> I was like, I will two for two this man. This will happen. But instead, Fair. you just gave me all of them. So <laughs> I did. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. Uh, we'll see how it goes along. Uh, so, Chris, may the best man get the memorabilia. Hell yeah, brother. All right, Chris. Uh, this, of course, wraps up episode 235, if I'm not mistaken, of the show. And uh, with that in mind, we are going to move along into the outro. So if you want to follow us on Twitter and be part of the community's take, which this week I think is also going to come from one of our lovely um, question askers, uh, I'm going to do exactly a simple one. Reach out and do what Josh Ayers asked. What are your three predictions for the year? Whatever they may be gaming-related, throw them our way. We want to hear them. Uh, so if you want to be part of that, head over to X or formerly Twitter, at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook, at Triangle Squared, uh, a place to podcast, which is a group for you to enter and join into. Or you can click the link down in the description below and join the Discord, where you can be part of our day-to-day conversation with a bunch of other uh, listeners and patrons. Uh, Become a patron yourself, maybe, and get a shout-out at the end of every episode for being a supporter of the show uh, by way of going to patreon.com slash narctech and giving as little as a dollar per month to support the show. We love each and every one of you who've done so just as much as we love all the people who give us their time every week and listen to our crazy rambling about what games we want to choose for a, a random fantasy draft. Uh, so... Without further ado, we want to shout out all of our patrons. Chris, thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week, buddy. Shout out to Duh Overlord, our new patron for the month. Uh, Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Sanderud. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week.